You nerve-wracking sons of bitches. Something on your mind? Just want to let you know you're sitting in my chair. <laughs> Is that a fact? Yeah, it's a fact. Well, for a man that don't go healed, you run your mouth kind of reckless, don't you? No need to go healed to get the bulge on a tub like you. Is that a fact? Hmm. That's a fact. I'm real scared. Damn right you're scared. I can see that in your eyes. All right, man. Go ahead. Go ahead. Skin it. Skin that smoke wagon and see what happens. Listen, mister. I'm getting awful tired of your... I'm getting tired of your gas. Now jerk that pistol and go to work. I said throw down, boy. You gonna do something or just stand there and bleed? No? I didn't think so. Here, Bill. Keep safe. Hang it over the bar. All right, youngster, out you go. Don't come back! Eric! Oh, what do you say, Milt? 25% of the house takes sound about right? It is uh, 8 minutes and 15 seconds after the hour of 11, and this is the month of August of the year of our Lord, 2008. Thank you for coming along and making a part of your listening day. This is the Rick Emerson Radio Program, emanating live from uh, beautiful downtown Portland, Oregon. We are here in the plushly appointed, yet not overly ostentatious studios of AM 970, The Talker, and Tombstone, the best movie ever made. Ever! Uh, it is uh, 503-733-2970, if you'd like to join us today. 503 733 970 503-733-2970 if you'd like to uh, get on board with your comments, questions, clarifications, two cents, conventions, observations on how nobody ever really noticed that was Billy Bob Thornton until like five years after the movie came out. Then he went back and he looked at it, but he realized that you were thrown off by the fact that he was so unbelievably obese. Uh, it's 503-733-2970 if you'd like to join us. It is uh, Thursday, and welcome to uh, Day 12. We're here where you can also reach us electronically, my friends. Rick at RickEmerson.com is that email address. Rick at... Uh, RickEmerson.com Rick at RickEmerson.com Sarah at 970.am Tim at 970.am or Richie with a T at 970.am uh, Other uh, email addresses that end at 970.am are James at 970.am Adam at 970.am Kristen at 970.am and Timmy Ryan at 970.am which leads us to a discussion of young Mr. Ryan that we were just having in the kitchen uh, with Adam from the Pimp Squad so I'm not going to spend a whole lot of time talking about it because I feel like it's just going to take us down a rabbit hole to nowhere. Indeed. But we had this whole thing at the end of yesterday's program where apparently Timmy Ryan was seen by not one but several people, including Fatboy from KUFO and Sarah, riding around town in a limousine with no one, talking to himself and occasionally berating the limousine driver who would get out, hold an umbrella over Timmy's head while Timmy walked a distance of four feet from the limo to a building. No explanation was given. for, And really, what explanation could we possibly give you that would clarify the situation to an acceptable degree? I mean, really, there's nothing to say, except that we caught up with Adam for a minute in the kitchen this morning, and 
I'm not going to rehash the whole story except to say that, I mean, you really know that you're on shaky ground when even the other members of the Pim Squad are sort of embarrassed by and or confused by your I behavior. I want Timmy to be a little careful if he wants to, you know, keep his friends in the Pimp Squad. And I will say that I made probably the best and worst uh, analogy of the day so far, which is when I was comparing Timmy Ryan to Freddie Prince Sr., do you remember anything about Freddie Prince Sr.? He was, you know, kind of an up-and-coming, he's a struggling comic, and then he got that gig on Chico and the Man, and then he had about seven and a half good, you know, months of good celebrity, and then he just went nuts and shot himself in the face. So, there you go. So, on, on an infinitely smaller scale, uh, perhaps Timmy Ryan is our Freddie Prince Sr. Timmy Ryan is our Chico. Do you think he's going to blow his head off? Yes, and I'm the man. That's what I'm saying. Uh, all right. It's uh, 503-733-2970 if you'd like to uh, join us today. All right, here's what's coming up uh, later on in today's radio uh, cavalcade. Lisa Desjardins will be joining us today uh, from the Hill. We'll talk about the blah, 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 beefsteaks, blah, 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 Obama, blah, blah, blah. Is it Biden or isn't it? Blah, blah, blah. Convention starts next Monday, so uh, he better get to revealing sometime soon. Uh, Steve Kastenbaum will join us from New York City. There was something he was talking about that I found, I found interesting. What was it? Dangerous jobs. Uh, so I guess I think they do this every year where they talk about you know jobs where you're most likely to like lose a hand or have an eye jabbed out with something rusty, uh, and I, I just assume that it's crab fishermen because that's what it is every year. But maybe I'm wrong about that. I was I heard somebody talking about this last night and they were speculating that the most dangerous job might be that guy that has to climb up and repair either cellular telephone towers or radio transmitter towers, because there not only can you fall, uh, but the inside of your brain can be radiated, and that's just uh, that's no good. Who was it that was telling me a story about that? It was somebody who either worked here or at Intercom. Tell me a story about some guy climbing a, uh, climbing a radio tower, and they either hadn't, they either had turned it up by accident, they hadn't turned it off, and they hadn't lowered, they hadn't done something they were supposed to do. And so the radio tower is still putting out like, you know, 100,000 watts or whatever, and the guy gets to the top, and I think the deal is I think it just sort of, uh, I think it just sort of sets your brain on flambe from the inside out, so that doesn't really work out well. And then, of course, you got the falling like a thousand feet and then handing a pile of rocks at the bottom. So that does seem like a job that presents... What about the people have to polish like the top of the Chrysler building? I think that just, I think that only happens in musicals. Are you sure? Do you even know what I'm talking about right now? No. <laughs> I'm referencing the movie Annie, where Carol Burnett in Annie says, I want this floor to shine like the top of the Chrysler building. I and then everybody does a dance. So you'd actually have to clean it because there are window washers. Does somebody, Tim Riley, does somebody polish the top of the Chrysler building? I'm not sure. That is a good question. We'll look into it. Uh, all right, Steve Kastenbaum will be talking about most dangerous know jobs. That. Uh, that's Steve probably would know that actually. All right, we're going to put that right on him today. Uh, CNN Radio correspondent James Roop uh, will be joining us as well. We'll talk about everybody's favorite professional defendant, O.J. Simpson. Uh, so I guess that's getting underway uh, r relatively soon. Uh, we didn't get to yesterday's top five, go figure, but it's <clears throat> it was for a good cause. Uh, it's because the interview with Mark Cantor uh, that we had yesterday, who's the author of that great Guns N' Roses book, uh, it ran a little long, so we'll get to today's top five today. Uh, it is the top five Guns N' Roses songs you more than likely will not hear played on the radio, uh, as selected by the fine folks in Appetite for Deception, the world's premier Guns N' Roses tribute band. So we'll get to that later on. Uh, it is High Concept Thursday. We'll roll that out probably in the 2 o'clock hour. Chris Paddock from KUFO will drop in later on to give the sort of equal time perspective on Tropic Thunder, which I guess he really liked. Apparently the building is kind of equally split on it. Uh, Didn't Bobby say he liked it too? Fat Boy liked it a lot. Um, is, my mic at a, is my mic too hot, too low, or just right? I don't know what you're talking. I can't really tell. I think you sound good. All right. You've never sounded better. Thank you, Tim. That's the right answer. All right. Um... 
I'm going to have a people, I'm going to hire some group of folks who just follow me around and say that whenever I, uh, you know, whenever whenever I have any sort of idea or theory that comes into my head, any sort of vague, uh, out loud rumination, I want a whole group of people around me who just go, that's a great idea. They should rent Yes Men. You know, they rent paparazzi. We were talking to Rachel McGrath. You can spend like 500 bucks and some paparazzi will follow you around for like seven hours and photograph you. You should be able to hire A, an entourage, or B, a group of Yes Men. I thought you didn't like Yes. What? <laughs> and just hiring yes men where they just play roundabout yes. <laughs> that's that's also a funny idea. Let's that would be a promo. That'd be sort of a that'd be sort of a wacky miscommunication where I go yes I need a group of. It'd be like that old uh, that uh, that fax commercial where the guy needs a lease and they fact they give him a geese or whatever they give him geese instead. He goes no 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 I meant lease. Where a guy tries to hire some yes men and instead it's just like Anderson Bruford Wakeman and Howe following you around playing uh, I've seen all good people. That's a funny idea for a bit, Tim. You should file that a, file that away somewhere and then sell it to a lackluster morning show. All right. Send it off to Mark and Brian. See what they pay for that. Uh, in any event, how was I even talking about? Oh, uh, so Tropic Thunder. So the building seems to be kind of evenly uh, split on that. So I didn't really care for it. Uh, I know Susan and her husband disliked it. And for what it's worth, my wife didn't like it either. Fat Boy loved it. Chris Paddock loved it. Marconi hated it. Uh, so it uh, and and nobody else has seen it. I don't think anyone. I think everybody else in the building is sort of everybody else has sort of fallen back a little bit, and they're kind of waiting to uh, to plunge into the to plunge into the into the fray. So anyway, we'll assess that later on. Uh, let's see what else do we have. Well, and some other stuff. Don't forget, uh, one random on-air caller today wins a pair of. Uh, uh, four pair, rather, of uh, Oregon State Fair tickets. Good for any one day, August 22nd to September 1st. With over 9,000 things to do and taste, it's too big to miss. Visit OregonStateFair.org for more details. Uh, the same winner will also get a pair of run of engagement passes to The Dark Knight. Tim Riley working on the following stories for your edification today. A Vancouver man is arrested for a violent crime spree in North Portland. John McCain isn't sure how many homes he owns. John McCain's wife continues to insist she's an only child, much to the chagrin of her sister. Uh, Denver proudly shows off its warehouse jail, which will hold up to 400 who may be arrested at the Democratic Convention. A uh, top Sony cleric band's birthday and anniversary parties. <laughs> the third anniversary of Hurricane Katrina will be next week. Microsoft recruits Seinfeld to promote Windows Vista. And just in time for Sarah's trip, NYPD catches the Brooklyn mugger. Excellent. <gasps> My sister's been freaking out about that He's guy. He's hot. And he's mugged before. Awesome. All right, then. Uh, we're joined today, as always, by the lovely and talented Sarah X. Dillon, who is going to be going to... When are you leaving for New York? Uh, Friday night. Oh, wait a minute. So, so Tim, this is your Friday. You're yeah. gone tomorrow, are I am you not? gone tomorrow. All right, so Tim Riley is gone tomorrow. Timmy Ryan will be... Oh, God. Filling in to whatever extent Will you he be can. Will you be running a limo here? Uh, probably. I don't know. Uh, well, you know. All I know is we get four hours to just re- mercilessly drill him, uh, you know, in, in a form in which he cannot escape. Um, so, and then you are leaving Saturday morning to go to New York? Yeah, for, well, like late Friday night. And then you're in New York until when? Until Sunday night. That's pretty cool. Sunday so you got like a full eight days in New York. Are you yep. excited? I'm so, 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 so excited. Now, when you go to New York for an extended period of time like this, do you map out in advance a sort of vague schedule or do you just play it by ear? No, I just get up and get on the subway and go wherever I want to. Good for you. Mm-hmm. That's exactly the way to do it, especially in the city. You know, it's well, like there's a, I have like a, a couple things that we have planned. Like, I know we're going to Coney Island on Saturday. Right. My friend Heather's coming into town, too, so we're going to all make a big Cloverfield trip over there. 
Excellent. You're going to get a... You should totally... I bet there's a clover... Have videotape it? I, I was just going to say that. You should get, like, the bad homemade, you know, video of you in the back, or, like, sitting and at whatever the... And kitty, like, Ferris wheel thing? Totally. And then, like, in the background, we can Photoshop in, like, a thing splashing into the water. You should totally do that. Um, I was also going to say... I mean, especially, it's not like you're going to, like, Rust Bucket, Kansas or something, where there's only so many things to do, so you gotta, you got to plan out your time real carefully. As I was saying to, um, I think it was Castenbaum yesterday, uh, the New York really is just like one big live-action role-playing game. So, it's, man, you can just set off in any direction in that city and just, you know, you fill an entire day. Excellent. Good oh, I'm, I'm so, so, so excited. Because Heather has to work, like, the first uh, shoot could only get a day and a half off from work. So, I'm basically going to be roaming by myself for, um, you know, four days. Which right. I'm totally excited about. And we're getting, yeah, we're getting our tattoos on Sunday. I'm trying to remember my mom is in town. Okay, yeah. So you and your sister, well, she's yeah. going to find out at some point. I know she's going to find out, but. So you and your sister are getting matching wrist tattoos? Yes. All right. And you show me the design. I won't say what it is. Yes. Uh, but you show me the design, which is pretty great. Yeah. All right. I'm Fantastic. really, I'm nervous and excited. All right. And the get... guys already drawn it out and everything. And so you just, when is that, what day is that going to be happening? This Sunday. All right. I'm getting tattooed in three days. Oi. Well, you've already got a tattoo, though. Yeah, but that was when I was 16, and it's like all ghetto. Do you remember anything about getting it? The one it when you were 16, were you drunk? I remember it hurt. No, 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 I was totally sober. I actually had to have it retouched, and that's what hurt the worst. Yeah. And it's still like, you know, it's like a faded mess. All right. But it's, I mean, I've never actually seen it. I but ne- I mean, yeah, I never see it either. I totally forget that I have it. It could look terrible. You you might not even know. It could. It might have, like, there's something your skin might have shifted around, and it might be forming something obscene, even as we speak. So. Okay, thanks. I'm just saying, we one never knows. You get a tattoo in a place where you can't see. It's true. How did you, here's a dumb question. I mean, I say what it is. It's on your back. Yeah. So how did you oh, even the tramp stamp. like? How did you even know what it looked like? Did you have to get a mirror and? Oh yeah. I mean, my gosh. No, you just take a mirror and look in the back. All right. Else you can just like you know look behind. I guess I never, I never really thought about that. All right. Yeah. yeah. My brother is getting one of those. Not to get off on a tattoo thing. But my brother is getting this huge tattoo that's covering the entirety of his back. And he did the thing of asking, like, can you recommend a tattoo place? And I said, no, F no, I'm never going to do that. Uh, because recommend, recommending a tattoo place is like recommending a dentist. Mm-hmm. Uh, you recommend it and then it goes wrong for the person, then it's like you just, you, you, can, you, have, to, you have to go kill yourself. You can never talk to them again. So Richie's going to let me maybe borrow his camcorder for the trip. Excellent. How cool would that be? I'll, I'll, do, I'll send you video document, uh, like... You could be, uh, he could probably show you how to upload that to the uh, YouTube while you're gone. Yeah. Now, if you recommend a tattoo place for somebody, and please don't start calling and recommending tattoo places, but if you recommend a tattoo place for somebody and then they F it up, that is, you have lost all stock with that person. For You can never get it back. And I don't want to recommend anything to anybody that's going to be for a service that is, A, sort of irrevocable, unless you want to get yourself lasered, uh, and B, really expensive. Like, you know, tattoos are important to people. So I just, I'm like, I'm like you know what, dude, you're on your own. I'm not going to recommend. I'm not going to suggest. I'm not going to indicate a place you should go to all, because he's getting a huge, whatever that thing is, it's the... Uh, the, the the Da Vinci articulated man. It's like the guy in a circle and he's got his limbs all solo extended. Flex yeah, that yeah. <laughs> I should just call it that from now on. Hey nice solo flex tattoo. So he's getting the articulated Da Vinci man covering like his whole back. I mean it's it's kinda crazy, but you know, anyway. So there you go. Um, aren't you gonna ask him what I did last night? What did you I was just gonna get to what I did last night, which is the, almost the same thing you oh did last gosh, night. Oh my gosh, I hung out with my friend Rick last night. Hey, I was out with Sarah last night and we went to see uh Faster Pussycat uh uh, in theory, Bang Tango and L.A. Guns at uh, the Hawthorne Theater. So we want to give first and foremost a shout-out to listener Mike, Mike, who accosted me last night and I think threatened to hit me with his cane unless I gave him a shout-out today. So here you go. To avoid the cane beating. Hi, Mike. How you doing? And who was the other guy? He was really nice. At uh, Ken. We met Ken. Yeah. We met Mike. I mean, there's a whole bunch of people we met last night. So uh, so hello and thanks to all the listeners who came out to the Hawthorne Theater. Uh, I think KUFO was actually uh, presenting that. It was uh, Faster Pussycat, L.A. Guns, and Bang Tango, who didn't even show up. Bang Tango. 
I mean, how much? What could possibly be on your plate? Your bang tango. Seriously. What else could you be doing? I mean, what, I mean, are you busy like taking all your uh, going to a coin star somewhere? I don't really know what else could be on your agenda other than playing to uh, you know, probably the last 55 people on earth that wish to see you perform. So Bang Tango didn't even show up. I kind of came late, so I didn't see L.A. Guns, which I guess was sort of interesting because apparently Tracy Guns is still in the band, but now it's Tracy Guns and, like, Tracy Guns Jr. Uh, so I guess it's him and his kid uh, that are from the band. I just patted Lisa on the back. I'm like, you feel old now? Yeah. <laughs> uh, but L.A. Guns, I don't even know where to start with this. So I made a bunch of notes uh, about L.A. Guns and Faster Pussycat last night. Let me just say this. Faster Pussycat came on stage, I don't know, around 11 o'clock or so. and they pitch darkness. In pitch, in pitch black, and they opened with a song called The Power and the Glory Hole. <laughs> that was their opening and number. And that was also the extent of the lyrics of the song, pretty much. As Tim Riley might say, it's a real toe-tapper, that one. So they come on stage, and uh, I always thought it was pronounced Tamey Down, but apparently the pun isn't even that clever. Apparently it's just Timey Down is how he pronounces his name now. Um, but so Tammy Down from Pastor, Faster Pussycat comes out, and he looks bad. I mean, I don't mean, but not even bad. He just, looks, all the black he just looks scary. Uh, so I don't know if you remember what Faster Pussycat looked like kind of back in the day. They didn't have, they weren't necessarily like the big hair band. They kind of looked like Guns N' Roses, where it was sort of really thin, long, stringy hair, a little glammy, but not to like the poison. You know, not the extent of a poison band. But they all had like the long rocking hair, and they wore the tight pants or whatever. But they were sort of, they kind of just looked like a sleazy club band. But last night they had some weird like, I don't know if anybody else was there and saw Faster Pussycat last night, but they had like a weird Gestapo thing going on. Where it's like the bass player comes out, and he's got like this Condoleezza Rice black trench coat, and then he's wearing one of those like, like a Colonel like Clink hat. I love those hats. You know what I mean? It's like that hat that Colonel Clink is wearing where it's, it is, where it's like the the weird leather brim and like the little shield on the front and you I kept waiting I kept waiting for the bass player to go like Hogan um and then Tammy Down is sort of fat but only in the face it's like that George Michael thing where the rest of him is all thin face real fat and then he's got these big black stripes like you know that stuff that uh that football players paint underneath their eyes like those and I guess I guess that's maybe to cut down a reflection or something I don't even know why that's there why do football players put yeah, that? I think so, because it, it draws the sun out of their eyes. Okay. And so, but he's got it. It's like that, but it's like two stripes and only on his right cheek. So he's got like these two huge black, like, sort of war paint decorations. <laughs> he drew it like with a magic marker on the right side of his face. He's got black lipstick, this weird stringy hair that's not quite clean, not quite dreadlocks, not quite real, not quite fake. Uh, and then he spent a lot of the uh, the show sort of all, kneeling down like on all fours, like puffing on a cigarette and just sort of staring out at the crowd. That's what I loved. It felt like a rock and roll show though, because everyone was smoking. It was everyone was drinking like oh. cheap, crappy beer. It and was, this guy and this guy was obviously out of his mind. I just, just. I, I, like, it looks so good with stripes on my face. Why don't I smear it all over my mouth like lipstick? He really did look unnerving, and I'm not going to say he was speeding out of his mind on something. I think it might have been the other direction. I think he might have been slowing out of his mind on something. Uh, he looked as though he'd been... Uh, he looked as though he'd been smacked around a time or two. <laughs> you know, with a fist. Yeah. Uh, and so... Uh, the, but so, so the Faster Pussycat is playing, and there was, it was the weirdest time warp. Because, you know, the, the, you know the, the, probably everybody there is... You know, I would, the average age of the attendee last night was uh, probably 33. Um... And, you know, or older. And so Lisa and I are there, your friend Lisa. And Lisa, first of all, 
I know this sounds creepy because she's 20 years, but boy, she looked really hot last night because she had like... The, she was wearing the ripped Guns N' Roses Seriously, shirt. but a vintage, like from, from back in 1988, a ripped, faded at Guns N' Roses Appetite for Destruction shirt, and then like the cool tight jeans and like the checkered van shoes or whatever, and just, she looked fantastic. Uh, and like her tattoos showing in like black and blue hair. And I gotta tell you, and there's, and, and there's something really hot about the fact that she knew every word. I mean, she wasn't just there because, hey, it's, you know, it's, it's a thing. I mean, she was there because she was like, it's the real deal, man. She was like singing every line to every Faster Pussycat song, which is great. And then afterward, Sarah and I and Lisa are all standing on the sidewalk after Faster Pussycat finishes. And then Sarah gets to hear Lisa and I sitting there and just talking uh, like cracked out schoolgirls for 20 minutes about obscure 80s metal bands that only we remember. So there's Lisa and I sitting on the sidewalk. Sarah must have had about 12 years old because Lisa and I are like, what about Dangerous Toys? Do you have their second album, Hellacious Acres? I do too. I what about talking about collecting the flyers and like who was playing with who? Like Jet Boy. Do you remember Jet Boy? <laughs> totally. What about Shark Island? I was a huge fan of Shark Island. I have their four song demo that they put out before Tom Zutat, Zutat signed them to Electra Records. You know, and we're just sitting there just nerding ourselves into a frenzy uh, about it. It was pretty cool though to see you guys both totally spazz out. Yeah. And Lisa, you know, she's always just has like a calm demeanor about her, but to see her freak out about a band was really cool. It was, but I have to say that it, all my snarking aside, Faster Pussycat sounded really good. Uh, and they played everything. They, they only did a smattering play, of new songs. They didn't play your one song. They played one. almost everything you wanted to hear. They did it. It's like how when you saw, what is it, The, the Walkman? <gasps> and they, they didn't play like the one big single. So Faster Pussycat last night, they play Bathroom Mall. They play Cat House. They play how, how There's No One Home in My House of Pain, which is their big like crossover power ballad. And then they leave the stage. And, of course, what are you thinking? All right, here comes the encore with Poison Ivy. And then lights go up, and it's like house music starts playing, and we kind of go, what the, are you kidding me? Uh, so they did not play the one song out of all of them that I really wanted to hear. Uh, by the way, it should also be noted, I don't know if Sarah was drunk enough that she won't remember this. Drunk up with the guy? Do you, uh, yeah, do you remember you, and I think you do, do you remember you and Lisa throwing glasses at a guy, like a big sort of like douchebag, muscly guy who was in front of us. So, no, I remember I was just drinking beer. I, I can't. Do you remember me almost getting punched in the face by it? Huh? You remember that? So here we are. So we're all at the, we're at the, the Hawthorne Theater last night, and there's this yeah, guy in front of us. Into us. Guy in front of us, uh, sort of a big suburban golf shirt wearing douche. Uh, and he's all sweaty, and he's got the spiky hair and, like, a fake tan and, you know, kind of that thing where it's, like, equal parts muscular and fat kind of all together. And he's just throwing himself around like a spastic five-year-old uh, and slamming into people. And so Sarah has had just enough that she takes her empty beer glass and throws and hits him in the head with They're, it. It's plastic. It's but, like it's plastic. but it's from a distance of, like, two feet away. So Sarah throws her glass, hits this guy in the... Hits him in the back of the head. Did he, he do that? But he, but he, but he turns around. Whoa! You know, like... Some, and while I'm looking above his head, like, rocking out, like, I don't know why that guy is looking at me. And, he's just, and he turns around like some sort of lab facility gorilla. <laughs> Who throw glass at Bob? Bob no light glass in back of head. Bob busy dancing to faster pussycat. No appreciate intrusion. <laughs> that would be his voice. And then he turns back around and starts, like, flailing and around. Lisa... It's like he's doing... It's like he... I mean, I don't really know much about ska, but he was doing these weird made-up dances, almost like he was supposed to be like at a at like at a skank and pickle show or something. He was doing that thing of like like he's picking up change off the floor real fast, and so he goes back to flailing around and hitting people. Then Lisa takes her empty glass, hits him in the back of the head, and he turns around again and he's looking like Ed Norton with his skin turning green. Ed go, Bob, no appreciate second glass in back of head. And then what does he do? There's Sarah on my on my left, Lisa on my right. Idiot Royd guy turns around and he looks directly at me and he points the finger at me 
He points the finger directly at me, and then he and then he does that thing of like throwing both of his hands out and kind of a come on, and then and then he's and then he mouths this. He goes. You want some? And meanwhile, I'm the guy who hasn't thrown anything. I'm just there trying to watch scary-ass Tamey down singing with black mascara all over his face. And so the guy said, you want some? And I did the thing of like, what? You know, I have no idea what you're talking about. Just trying to look as unthreatening as possible. Um, and Lisa and I are looking over there like, oh, that's a really good show. But so for the next five or ten minutes... About every 30 seconds, he turns around and he looks at me and he does the whole like, let's go. And I'm like, come on, are you kidding me? And, and then the light, and I swear to God, for all the world, I was just waiting. As soon as the lights went up, I was waiting for him to, on his way out, just clock me in the mouth. Oh, because I he was, that he bad. was so con, no, but you see, you didn't, you were busy watching the show because you knew you weren't going to get hit. You're a girl. He was convinced that I, he probably still is convinced that he's probably telling me that Rick Emerson was behind me and threw glasses at my head. He was <laughs> he's big scary dude. It was me. He was, was me. convinced that I had done it because he kept turning around and staring at me. And so the lights go up and he gets ready to leave and I'm like, oh God, here it comes. probably mad too because you're standing with like me and Lisa like. Flanked two, by the two hot girls. Yeah, and then he's like there he's by alone. himself doing his angry, angry like, you know, monkey ska dance. Thinking about his chunky suburban wife. Mm -hmm. Uh, and, and so, then he uh, to the top of the coin tower and all fours. <laughs> <laughs> but he's so yeah. So it's like I'm standing there flanked by the hot rock girls and the, the angry, sweaty Roy dude is just like, Bob cannot love. Bob here alone has no choice but to turn depression outward. Uh, and so he's looking at me and I'm thinking, oh god. And the lights go off, the concert ends, and I'm, he turns around and I was like, oh god, this is it. He's gonna walk by me, but on the way out, he's gonna check me in the mouth and I'm gonna lose all my teeth. I'll make soup out of you. Uh, and then. <laughs> Bob not know how to connect with other humans. It take form of irrational rage. But at that moment, a, like a security guard from the Hawthorne Theater, who I guess knew you. Yeah, Nick. Yeah, Nick shows up and he's you know and you introduce and so he happened to be standing there and so the guy left and but even walking to my Nick car. A scary looking dude too. Yeah, on the way to my car, I was waiting for that guy to just jump up from behind a dumpster. So thanks for that. Sorry, wow. but that, didn't that make your show-going experience more fun? No, it was, it was pretty great. Um, I, we don't have time to talk about a whole lot else here. Um, at, at this point, I almost feel like we have to just stick around and take these calls and talk to Lisa. Uh, so we'll get calls in a moment if My you're on hold. smiling. Hang, hang tight. I can just um, visualize that. That was well described. It was it, almost like I was there. Seriously. And that you, voice belongs to that guy. And like, you know exactly the kind of guy I'm talking oh, about. Yeah. Too sweaty, too tan. And, he, and he's always wearing like sort of cow, like sort of stylish kind of jeans, but then like a bad golf shirt that he's sweating right through. Uh, and, you know, and it's just anyway. Well, I'm sorry to put you. You in just know he works in a pro shop somewhere. Um, here's some other things we haven't even gotten a chance to get to today. Have you guys gotten that email about the CBS harassment policy? No, there's I a, did. There's a new test. Have you taken it? No, it takes too long to get it, No, it's a, it's a quick online quiz, but for your... It, it, it'll connect, yes. Uh, for your benefit, I've isolated the audio from it. It's a video quiz. Oh. Uh, so we'll get that here in just a few. Uh, and uh, I, we'll talk about the decline of Western Civilization, too, which I brought for Sarah. We'll talk about that book, Reckless Road, which is already like the most... That's like the number one rental in the office now, because every single person has stopped by my office going, Do you have that Guns N' Roses book? I can read that. Um... I can't believe I didn't mention this earlier. Uh, maybe I'll reveal it later on. Tomorrow on the Rick Emerson Show? We don't care. We won't be here. I'll be here. Sarah's going to be here. Oh, that's right. You're not leaving until <laughs> next week. I keep forgetting. Sarah, tomorrow on the Rick Emerson Show? Yes, sir. Uh, I should say first and foremost, it's a phoner. So let's modulate our excitement just a little bit. I'm not going to say who. Wait. Tomorrow, a phoner. Tomorrow, two things. A, we reveal that piece of Portland gossip, but Which also really this. good. Tomorrow, not in studio, but a phoner. With a very, truly, honestly, exciting guest. You're not going to tell us who? I'll tell you when, like, do you have a timer over there? Yes. You should set a timer. 
Pick an arbit. Pick a pick a time. Pick a number of minutes from now to whatever. I'll announce it at the end of blank minutes. How about twenty-three? In twenty-three minutes, I will reveal tomorrow's. Don't let me forget. In twenty-three minutes, are we going to do twenty questions to figure out who it is? No, because you'd fail, and then I would become frustrated, and then Rick become angry at co-host failure to properly execute twenty questions. Um, uh, in twenty-three minutes, I will announce the name of a very special guest we're going to have on the show tomorrow, and I'm. It is pretty cool. On a scale of one to ten, it's like it's like fifty. So uh, it's pretty great. Everybody, here's guy the thing. Or girl? I'm gonna guy. I'm gonna say it, and then everybody. Here's the thing. I will announce that in 22 minutes. I will announce the name of tomorrow's special guest, and everybody in the audience is gonna go. Oh come on! In a good way. Is it Burt Reynolds? No, it is not. Why would it be Burt Reynolds? I don't know. Now, uh, in 22 minutes, I will announce the name of tomorrow's special guest. We'll be uh, having this person on the phone, and everybody's going to go, oh, that's so cool. Sally Struthers. Exactly. Oops, I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> Hi, you're on the Rick Everson Show. It was a man who fell um, like 360 feet from a local FM radio station. I think that happens every now and again, uh, you know, in a city. That will happen. You'll hear these stories, usually in the engineering circles. If you hang around with the engineers, they'll be like, yeah, and then there was this one guy. Yeah, it would sounded pretty brutal, and I seen, I actually... Well, because I think it, I don't mean to be gross, but I think if you get to climb up that tower, and I think if it's not, if they haven't turned down the power, I think it, uh, I think it just microwaves, like, your brain and also your testicles, and then you fall and you die, so that's bad. I'm thinking that's what happened, and they just kind of covered yeah. it up. And then you, then you turn into an East Pack backpack ad, so... Yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, that's all I had, man. Thank I, you. I love your show. Thank you, sir. Hi, you're on the Rick Emerson Show. Hello. Hey, what's going on? You're inside a rock tumbler. Um, yeah. Hey, I just had a quick question. Yes. Didn't Sarah get her septum pierced last time she went to New York? No, that was... Uh, it was you didn't actually... get your septum pierced ever. No, but that was actually the last L.A. Guns show. Oh, no, no, that the was... L.A. Guns and the Bullet Boys. That was oh, you L. did, but you just let it close up. Like, you never did anything Yeah, I took it. it out in New York, though, because I had okay. it for, like... Yeah, that's right. I forgot all about that, because that was where Chris... Mailman Chris, I think, got his tongue pierced mm. the same night. I uh, was curious, yeah, if you still yeah, have that. Yeah, no, no, no. Uh, that's this thing? That's, like, the bull ring thing? Yeah. Yeah, no. It's, it's really... Annoying. Yeah, I think it's really annoying to heal, but after it heals, I haven't worn anything in mine in years. Yeah, I think she's still like put paper clips through it and weird people out at work. I think she's random, but they don't know it's there. It's pretty amusing. I think she's moved on from that, sir. All right. Well, hopefully you say have the same dedication with the tattoo because you can't just let that close. Oh, I know. No, this is this is family. This is I'm very excited. It's a cool family tattoo. I got some matching tattoos with my brother. It is pretty neat. All right. Thank you, sir. Have a good one. All right. Shall we welcome now to the Rick Emerson Show? Seeing a radio correspondent. Deja Dan from the Hill. Hello, how are you today? Hello, how's it going, guys? It is going fantastically. I would say that so far today's program on the classic one to ten scale is an eight and a half. What? Wow, that's Rick, fantastic. I have to say that we uh, we came strong right out of the gate with some uh, ponderings and uh, and uh, sort of quasi rhetorical questions about which I've now completely forgotten. But at the moment, I found them deeply satisfying. Uh, and Rick and I went to a show together last night. And, and, oh wow! And then we had this entire discussion how Sarah and I went to a, a rock show last night. There were some '80s uh, bands in town that we went to go see, and Sarah nearly got my teeth punched out by this uh, <laughs> kind of a, kind of big, muscly sort of uh, meat-headed guy that was in front of us. And, yeah, so it was a it was a thrilling evening uh, all the way around. Well, so you're having uh, in NBC parlance, you're having the routine of your life at this point. Is that right? I don't know what that means. It, it, you know, whenever whenever anyone's doing well in uh, the Olympics, you know they say oh they're having the the run of their lives, they're having the routine of their lives. Um, She's nailing it. Well, 
Sure. And then, but then invariably something happens very soon. I hate to say it. After well, thanks so much. Thanks for putting a dark yeah, cloud thought, of the rest of the show. Yeah. But see, now by, by putting the jinx out there, I think I've actually erased it. Now, here's the thing. Today's show is an eight and a half, but later on in 19 minutes. How long, Sarah? How long until we reveal? Uh, let's see. In, yeah, 19 minutes. In 19 minutes, we're going to reveal the name of a special guest that Ooh. we're going to be talking to tomorrow. Now, it is only on the phone. Uh, but tomorrow we're going to be having a special guest on the program, and I have to tell you, it's going to send shockwaves of excitement through the entire Rick Emerson audience. Well, wow. That's going to make the show a nine easily. Wow. I'm just saying. Wow, that's big talk. Everybody got to be listening. So, uh, all right. Um, well, I was, this is an awkward segue. I hate to go right <laughs> from that to, to, to sort of, you know, to something that's kind of a downer. But, but I know that that, mm-hmm. that U.S. Representative Stephanie Tubbs no, mm-hmm. or Tubbs Jones or whatever uh, uh, she did die. She passed away. But there was, if you can talk about it for a second, this whole kind of kerfuffle where first mm-hmm. she was. I mean, I hate to sound flip about it, but first she was dead, and then she wasn't, and then she was again. And I, mm-hmm. how does that happen? Right. Yeah. And it's funny because you know, I was talking to you yesterday, just after, uh, or I think just after I had gone on air for CNN, which my friends later noted. Uh, you know, so were you basically the fall guy on, on, on this story? Um, I can tell you what, what I knew, and I'm sorry if it's repeating from yesterday, but essentially the way it happened inside CNN is we had one political editor who, uh, had a Democratic source, I don't know who, contact them, uh, seems seemingly not from Capitol Hill, but it's not clear, uh, and say, we are hearing that, that she is died. And so he put that out. He said, not for reporting. This is what I'm hearing. So when you see a message like that, everyone gets on the phone and starts calling their sources. Our congressional producer, who I respect very much, got on the phone and she apparently got at least two people to say the same thing, who were telling her, yes, that's what we're hearing as well. So she got on what we call the red phone, which uh, there is actually a red phone upstairs, but for most places it's a speaker box. It goes all throughout the D.C. Bureau. You have these intercoms. She gets on the red phone and says, yes, you know, I'm calling in to let you know I have multiple sources confirming Stephanie Tubbs-Jones has died. You know, and at that point they were putting me in makeup to put me on the set because everybody is out of town. Right. And and they didn't have anyone else to do it. Uh, But, I, you know, I my sources were not confirming yet. As I was heading to the set, I get an email from one of my sources that had an on-the-record quote saying, we are sorry to hear that she is gone. She will be missed. There's just a couple lines. And I was going to report that on air. We're sitting there on air when, of course, the, 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 we introduced the hospital news conference, and there's the doctor saying, uh, critical condition, not not so much dead at this point. Mm. What, what we have been able to figure out is it, it seems like they're – was, there was definitely a, a problem between Ohio, where she was, and Washington, where I guess Democratic leaders were. And we don't know if it, it, it feels like there was a single staff person who got it wrong and then passed it pro- possibly in Nancy Pelosi's office, but we're not sure, in some very high-up House leadership office uh, that passed that along through the chain. And you know, pretty soon, actually, John Kerry sent out a, an email saying he was sorry that she had died and John Dingle sent one out uh, while she was still alive. Ugh. So, you know, and then it, making it even more awkward, of course, it was just I think five hours later that she was in fact pronounced dead. But in the meantime, it was really just a mess. I mean, it, it almost. Uh, I mean, it just becomes one of those. I, I mean, not not to compare the two because obviously very different, but it is. 
it is sort of shades of of uh, of the 2000 election where things mm. were constantly put in mm-hmm. one category, one column, and then taken back and then put. So well. Uh, well, you know, I mean, there was sitting there on set, and I almost said this to you on the phone yesterday, but I still had my CNN microphone on, and I knew that you know whatever I said could be picked up. You know, who knows where? Sometimes these things are on the satellite, so I didn't. You know, I felt like I was in a strange position. But, you know, when I was on air on CNN, I came very close to getting on my soapbox. I'm glad I didn't, but I came close to saying this is the problem with having anonymous sources. Right. You know, this is why we get burned, and we can point all we want to all the people at the Capitol that got it wrong, all the Democratic staffers that led us the wrong way. But the fact is, because we're not using their name, it's on us, and it should be. And, you know, we're trying to move too fast, and it really was a perfect example of how – lazy this town has gotten um, in using sources for I me mean, you know you have to practically use an anonymous source to talk about the weather it's ridiculous I, I thought that there was a, a sort of unspoken or unwritten or unsomething uh, rule that you kind of <laughs> that you kind of had to have two of you those. do you do and that's what happened is we had the first our political editor sent out the email and then oh our I see okay. Capitol Hill All producer right. okay. then followed up and she got multiple sources Separately. Okay. All right. All right. And then I, I got uh, I got a fourth on the record source, which of course, while the news conference was happening, I was calling that source and saying, uh, "So maybe not use this statement, uh-huh. huh?" All right. Okay. I see. Yeah. No. I, okay. So I knew. Now I do. I, I think I didn't have the complete picture of it before, but now I do see how that happened. And, and here it is. You know, as uh, as James Carville was fond of saying during the uh, uh, during the ninety two election, he kept saying, "You know, that, that speed really does kill." And you hear a lot of that, yeah. that in journalism too, where. Uh, again, I'm really no one to point any sort of fingers. I, ha- I have no fingers. I am essentially just a numb. You're fingerless. My hand is basically, my journalistic hand uh, from which I would point fingers is really just a stump. So, uh, but I mean, there's this sort of rush to be first, to be, right. to be, you know, to, to be the one breaking the story. It does oftentimes come at the expense of, you know, facts and accuracy and whatever, right. which I know drives you crazy. I mean, I know it that kind of stuff must just, And I think, just, I think no one was seeing, I think there was one person feeding bad information to all of these offices we were contacting. And so that's why we all had the and, same bad information. And I will say, by the way, I mean, not to, to, to drive home a point of which you are already painfully and cringe-inducingly aware, mm-hmm. I mean, you really don't get it more wrong than to make the mistake, <laughs> that you, you know, confuse the difference between dead and alive. No. That is uh-uh. the most binary of, uh, of mistakes yeah, right there. Yeah, it's true. The so. only thing I think of worse is perhaps, you know, maybe like nuclear destruction. Oh, actually, no. <laughs> Actually, no. That's only when Henry Fonda's president. <laughs> right. All right. Uh, all right. I know it's a, it's a busy day for you. It's a busy day for us. What with all the excitement. Uh, yeah, I'm so excited forth. about your announcement. Uh, are you on tomorrow? I will be here. Okay, you're on tomorrow. Uh, you'll get to find out exactly what it was. Oh, so. great. Okay, all good. Right. All right. We'll talk to you soon. Thank you, Lisa. Okay, bye. All right. There you go. Lisa Desjardins. Let's take a break. We'll come back. Steve Kastenbaum around the corner. Tim Riley at the Ministry of Truth. Uh, in about, uh, I don't know, 14, 15 minutes, something like that. 12. 12 minutes. In less than... 13 minutes, uh, we will announce the name of tomorrow's special guest. Uh, somebody very exciting will be joining us at the Broken Roll. Stay there. Program. It's 503 733 
In just a moment, we'll talk to CNN Radio correspondent Steve Kastenbaum, Tim Riley at the Ministry of Truth at noon. Later on today's top five, top five Guns N' Roses songs you probably won't hear on the radio, as compiled by the guys in Appetite for Deception. Uh, it is High Concept Thursday. We'll get to that later on as well. Uh, and uh, we got a whole pile of uh, notes here to get to. Uh, your phone calls, emails, etc., so on and so forth. And how long till we unveil the mystery guest? Four minutes. Four minutes. All right, let's welcome now to the Rick Emerson Show from New York City, the city that never sleeps. CNN Radio correspondent and stylish dude. Dangerous jobs is what you're talking about. I'm sorry, I was just distracted by a thing. Steve Kastenbaum, hello, sir. Things are distracting. Seriously, here's what just happened. I just introduced you. Sarah made a really weird hand gesture, and while my brain was busy trying to figure out the hand gesture she she was making, I just punted and I looked down at the sheet and just read the first words I saw, which were dangerous jobs, which actually is what you're talking about. But that was a little brain lock right there. That was like when your computer sort of hangs up for a second and none of the windows will minimize or maximize or close or alter or anything. So that's, uh, that's what my brain was doing just now. All right. So before we, uh, before we talk about uh, this list, which I actually do find kind of fascinating, because they do this thing every year where they talk about the jobs in which you're most likely to be, I don't know, maimed or killed or something. Um, and I always just assume it's deep-sea fishermen, but maybe not. Before we talk about that, let me ask you this. Do they, in fact, polish the top of the Chrysler building? And if so, how? Oh, wow. You stumped me. That's a really good one. I have no idea. We were talking about... How did that even come up, Sarah? Oh, we were talking about dangerous jobs and who yeah. polishes the top of the Chrysler building. And then I was talking about Carol Burnett and the movie Annie uh, and uh, so forth. Is that Carol Burnett? Yes. All right, Carol Burnett, who's, you know, I want this floor to shine like the top of the Chrysler building. Uh, <laughs> let's all forget I did that just now. But uh, So I would be curious to know if, in fact, that is a thing that happens. You know, it does look very shiny. That's what I'm saying. It does look shiny. And it can't just be some sort of miraculous, like, always shine, never rust material, because then why wouldn't you make everything out of that? You know, I'll have to look into this one. You finally stumped me. You know what is not shiny? Here's something that's not shiny. It's the top of the Dakota. The top of the Dakota is, A, I mean, I know it's not, it's not supposed to be shiny as such because it's like it's green or whatever but it just looks it looks like it's starting to decay the top of the dakota looks like it's slowly being consumed by rust and mold well you know before they uh, fixed up the statue of liberty she was looking that way for a long time remember that in the yeah. 70s and 80s yeah so is the i mean is the dakota maybe this is a thing you don't even know about but is, is the dakota is it the top of it supposed to be green or is it in fact just something that's just gotten so tarnished over time it just looks green I, I believe it's the it's it's also copper. It's a copper roof, so it tarnishes, you know, uh, over time. Well, maybe it's just become part of the building's charm. Yes, I right. think so. Uh, so, okay, so dangerous jobs. Maybe, maybe not polishing the top of the Chrysler building. Who's to say? I always assume it's those most dangerous catch guys that are out there trying to, like, you know, they're doing the crab fishing or whatever, because it's always, you know, as as Quint says in the movie Jaws, you know, you you drop that line or you lose your hands. So I always figure it's that, but maybe it's not. What what is the most dangerous job, Steve? Kevin? You are absolutely right. Bam! And this year, deep sea fishermen have the most dangerous career. This, according to the uh, Bureau of Labor Statistics. That's what I'm talking about. That's why they pay me the medium dollars here because I'm able to sort of suss those things out. So 112 deaths. Per 100,000 fishermen in 2007. So that's like a little over 1% of the workforce will be killed. Yeah, and wow. the reason being not just because of the possibility of falling overboard in icy waters, but also because they're dealing with a lot of heavy equipment, dangerous mm -hmm. equipment, winches in, in uh, unsure footing, you know, the boats rocking back and forth. And they very often will sustain uh, a very critical mammoth uh, injury. 
and they're so far away from the nearest medical facility, even if they're airlifted, uh, if they're far out at sea, they, they often die in transport if they have a traumatic injury. So it's that's just, why. But those, I mean, it's not that it necessarily makes the, uh, the dying any better, but those guys, I mean, they get paid a huge amount of money, though. Well, if you watch the show on, uh, what is it? Deadliest uh, Catch. Yeah, uh, or is it, uh, I forget if it's Discovery. It's Discovery, I think. Yeah. Uh, don't they get like you know twenty grand just for going out a couple of a couple of weeks? Yeah, I had a the, my the only two stories I really have about that. I had a friend of mine who that's how he paid for his college, and he he told me he considered it a calculated risk. Uh, <laughs> and he was you know and he was going to like a real wasn't wasn't any joke. He was going to like medical school or something. It was something really expensive. He just didn't have the money. And he he sat down and I think you know sort of in his head made a kind of spreadsheet of it, and he's like, okay, the, the odds are, you know, whatever, that I'm going to be killed. The odds are whatever that I'm going to lose a hand. Uh, but on the upside, if I don't, I'm going to come home after a couple summers with, like, a hundred grand. And that was his, and he ended up doing it, and, you know, it kind of worked out for him. On the other hand, so to speak, I, uh, I do know a guy who did the deep-sea fishing and lost like one arm lost an arm wow. but but you know but but as he as he put it because he not only had the money for a couple of years but then i think there was some huge settlement that came from that as well like some sort of uh, something that sort of shook out where he got you know some cash for it so he had his good sense of humor but then he's like he's just like i got another arm i can sign checks so <laughs> he was kind of zen about the whole thing well what else is on the list well second most deadly career choice would be that of someone in the logging industry. Oh, that doesn't surprise me at all, actually. Same deal again here. You're working with uh, very dangerous, heavy equipment, and you've also got uh, falling tree branches to worry about. Uh, they had, uh, hold on a second, they had 86.4 workers die per 100,000 in the industry last year. Same deal there. They're often very far away from uh, a trauma center, and by the time they get to a medical facility, it's too late. Well, you'll, never, you'll never guess what the third deadliest job is in the U.S. Repair- want, want to take a stab? Third. Third deadliest job. Third deadliest job. Tim, anything? No. Sarah Dillon, do you have a guess? No. Ah, uh, I feel like I had a guess just so I'm not a complete tool. Um, I don't know. I got nothing. Number one was fisherman. What was number two? Number two was logger. Number three, window washer. I was going to say construction worker, but... We're all wrong. Small-scale pilots, uh, small-scale operation pilots. That surprises me. High death rate. Uh, for instance, those bush pilots in Alaska. Oh, well, okay. No, that's that's true. Yeah. I can see that. In fact, I just read there's a great book by John Krakauer called Iger Dreams, uh, in which he just it's a, just a bunch of essays about mountaineering and you know the guys who do it and whatever. And he has a whole section where he interviews guys whose whole job is to either fly. Uh, you know, like people up to Mount McKinley uh, or to rescue people off of places like Mount McKinley. And he talks about how it is nearly impossible to do it safely, and that's why those guys get paid so well, because it's almost impossible to do. Yeah, that's the, and they seem to die all the time. 66.7 yeah. workers out of every 100,000 uh, last year. All right. uh, rounding off the top five, I'll do it real quick here. Uh, number four, were well, the guys working in the structural iron and steel uh, industry. Very dangerous one as well, although their uh, death rate has dropped dramatically. Uh, in 2006, it was 61 per 100,000. Last year, it was 40, just about 46. So they uh, have seen some improvements in safety there. And then the fifth and uh, one here, ranch workers and farmers. Yeah, well, because, again, there's a lot of equipment and, you know, um, it, I have to tell you not to be all morbid about it, but you're talking about logger. That's how, I mean, that's how my grandfather died. He was a logger uh, here in Oregon. 
And, uh, you know, it's one of those things where the guy cuts a tree at the wrong moment or he's, you know, just one drink too many at lunch and bam. I mean, they took him out of there in a tobacco tin. So, I mean, it, uh, it's uh, that's a thing that'll uh, – and here, I mean, even now, you know, even in, the, in 2008, you hear about anybody – people who work in the logging industry here in the Northwest know that it's just – it is an insanely dangerous job. Uh, up in Idaho, yeah, um, there's a lot of sort of logging processing plants especially. And there's these guys, they work this job, and the job is called, called pulling green chain. And when you're pulling green chain – what that means is they bring in basically the raw tree, basically. This is right out of the right out of the forest. They cut down the tree, they put it in the truck, they bring it in. And then the guy who pulls the green chain is the guy who has to guide this huge freaking tree into the initial like pulping machine. Ooh. Uh, uh, you know, it's sort of like feeding it. It's like you know what it is. It's like feeding paper into a shredder. But it's not paper. It's a huge tree, and it's not a shredder. It's a thing the size of a house that will kill you. And, uh, you know, and every every now and again, you know, guy misjudges and uh, suddenly no more guy. Well, so. apparently they call the branches when they're cutting the, the upper branches off of the trees, you know, before they actually cut down the, the actual uh, the log, you know, the, the main trunk. Uh-huh. Uh, those giant branches, if you're not uh, careful where you're going, they call them widow makers. <laughs> Shudder. Right. Yeah. Well, on that peppy note, are you on tomorrow, sir? Yes, I am. All and right. And uh, Saturday I'm off to Denver. Uh, oh, for the uh, for the convention. When are you back, Steve? Are you going to be in New York on next Saturday? I'll be back Friday night, so I will definitely be able to see you uh, on Saturday and Sunday, and hopefully we'll get you uh, up to the CNN bureau, and you can see where I sit every time uh, I'm on the air with you guys. Fantastic! That's so cool. All right, my friend. Oh, by the way, we get, we'll end this with a taunting email about the Chrysler Building, Rick. Dude, you're like, is it made out of some sort of magic no rust material? End quote. Yes, Rick. It's called stainless steel. Jesus. <laughs> Hi, I'm retarded. Uh, all right, thank you, Steve. Thanks. There you go. Rick, it's been 28 minutes. This is Rick. He's an idiot. All right. it, it never needs to be polished. It's made out of a very special type of material. Stainless steel? No, something else. Oh, so it's not stainless steel. In your face, bastard. Uh, all right, has it been 28 minutes? Are we over time? We're way over time. We're like five minutes. All right, over. well, why not uh, take a little longer? Do you want to guess again? I'll okay. give you this chance. You're going to get mad the at me. The thing is, you're never going to get better at 20 questions if you don't try. You're going to be mad at me, though. Okay, so it's a man. Is he an actor? No. Singer? Yes. In a band? Well, I mean, plays with a band. Not, plays with a band, but, but it's, it's, you would, you would, you would consider, you would consider this person. By the way, we're talking about the guest that we're going to have on tomorrow, and I, I should say, not in studio. It'll be on the phone. But, but see, I don't want to cheat. Is this the person we were talking about in the hallway yesterday? No, 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 no. It's okay. not that person. Okay. Um, I will say, uh, it's not. It is not that person. And you asked me during the break if how excited on KCMD Portland everybody was going to be. I would say that uh, you will be more excited about this person than Tim probably would, but you're probably not as excited as I am, and you're probably not as excited as a lot of the uh, people in the audience will be. That said, I think when we reveal who we're going to be talking to in the show tomorrow, you're going to be like, wow, that is so cool. Okay, so he's a musician. Musician, you would consider this person a solo act. Okay, so he is a solo mm. artist. Like yes. When he tours, it's his name. It, yeah, it's not like the blah, blah. Does he have it's, a big hit out now? Um, I don't believe so, no. Would he? Would you say he would be a contender for um, the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame? That's an interesting question. Um, In any fair world, yes. Is it Bruce Springsteen? No. No, he's in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. Okay. Um, no, no, no. In in any fair world, this person, I think at this point, could already be in. I don't know. It's 25 years. But uh, in any fair world, this person would be in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. But I would imagine that a certain sort of snobbery will probably keep him out. I know this doesn't help you at all, but that's the it's honest not answer. Me. I know, but that's the I answer. I am not good at this game. 
Do you want to have I, an audience member go again? Do you want to have Tim take over? Would, would I have ever seen him? I, ever in seen person? Him? Yeah. I mean, like live? No, I don't think so. Okay. Um, did he have bigger big hits in the 90s? Yes. Uh, I'm never going to get better at this. Why don't you get a listener? All right. I'll tell you what. We'll take You're a... You're always disappointed in me. I don't, I don't want to disappoint you. I know. And yet... Uh, it's five. Okay, what kind of is he a rock singer? I would say he. Uh, I would say that varies. I would is say he a punk singer. Not really a punk singer. I would say. Uh, I would say has has issued any number of rock based recordings. Yes. Rock singer that you'd be more excited about than me. Mm. Well, I know that really narrows the list. I know you and I like so much music. It's really kind of good. We could have a listener guess if you want. Let's have a listener. Guess. Okay, here's the thing. We'll take a listener, but then you are on your honor as uh, as the Rick Emerson audience members. You do not, do not call if you already know who it is. If you know who I'm talking about, somehow. Well, I'm just saying, somehow if you know, you know, because uh, loose lips sink ships and all that. If you already know about whom we are talking, do not call. You may only participate in this if you pledge on your honor that uh, you do not know the name of this person. It's five zero three seven three three two nine seventy. Richie will take a caller five here. And if they, if they can guess it, uh, we'll give them uh, uh, this four-pack of Oregon Fair State, uh, State Fair tickets and a run of engagement passes to the Dark Knight. In the meantime, let us join Tim Riley at the Ministry of Truth. It's time for the Rick Emerson Show's new news hour, only on AM 970, The Talker. Talker. And now, from the Ministry of Truth, this is Tim Riley. This is brought to you by Lakes Auto Collision Center. I just think collision repair, go to Leafs.com. I know what Leafs can do for you. One of the four suspects captured on video during a frightening crime spree has been apprehended by Portland police officers and members of the U.S. Marshals Fugitive Task Force. 25-year-old Benjamin Gonzalez was captured in his northeast Vancouver home. Investigators say he is one of the four men riding through in a red pickup truck that was at to see the multiple assaults, robberies, and other crimes in uh, North Portland. These happened in October, uh, August 12th. You probably saw all this stuff on TV already. One woman called him a good neighbor and worked for his children. She said her son and Gonzalez is an often play together. Police say tips leading to the arrest came after widespread media playback of high-quality security camera video that clearly shows the suspect's actions, vehicles, and faces. I mean, that's how this always happens, right? I didn't right. do it. Here's a video of you doing it. Yeah, crap. Yep. All right. So that's that. So do, that's one. Let's do one more here, and then we'll uh, and then we'll uh, see if somebody can guess this uh, mystery uh, guess before we move on. Uh, supporters leading the effort to uh, rename a Portland street after Cesar Chavez. Uh, only to be more clinical and buy the book this time. Uh, this time it's buy the book. Advocates have applied to rename all of Broadway Avenue, Grand Avenue, or 39th Avenue after Cesar Chavez. Wait, hold hold on. Let me back up. So there are uh, several choices here. Oh, then let me back up for just a second after I take a swig of refreshing water. Mm-hmm. Uh, all right. Um, you know, hydration is the best friend you have, Tim. I suppose. Uh, so, what? They're at, so I there are three choices here. Well, how is that? Even, what do you mean? They're, they're trying to, this seems unfair. They're trying three. They're trying to rename. They're trying three streets at once. Yes. And they figure one. That seems one like night. dirty pool is what that seems like. First of all. Don't get me wrong. I got nothing against Cesar Chavez. He was great. He stuck it to the man and so forth. I mean, I'd, I would say, I would say that in a certain context, Cesar Chavez could count as a, as a, a real American hero. Real American hero. Uh, so is Cesar Chavez a cool guy? I mean, I, I think everybody can sort of agree on that. I, I don't really. I I can't imagine who would ever have a problem with him. That being said, 
The problem is obviously not Cesar Chavez. It is he, these people who trying to rename the streets for him. Now, didn't, didn't the last year they just tried to sort of they sort of tried to just skip all the rules? I guess so. I mean, I don't really know, but that was the sort of that was the sort of bottom that was line. the excuse given. I, I mean, I but I but isn't it that the government the uh, the Tom Potter or somebody just tried to ram it through last year without following the proper procedure? Mm-hmm. And so, you know, because you gotta you know you gotta follow the rules for this sort of thing. And so this year they're trying it again. So there's these people who are trying to rename 42nd.org, and Aaron Durant's part of that. And then there's the folks trying to rename something for Cesar Chavez. And we were told that everybody was going to follow the rules this year. And, in fact, that we, the taxpayers, that's you and I, John Q. Citizen, we're going to be spending $35,000 to retain a consultant who would help everybody do this correctly. I don't know what is up with my voice today. Something to be, it's like there's some dust or something in the studio. Imagine um, that. <laughs> Tim says, looking up for the bats, as he always does. <laughs> so everybody was going to follow the rules, which is great, except from what you are saying, they're sort of doing this scattershot uh, approach, this sawed-off shotgun kind of thing, of trying to name three streets stri- stri- at once. Yeah. Well, that just, uh, that seems like a little bit of, that, that seems like it is not quite a level playing field, but I mean, I guess maybe there's no rule against it. But what happens so. with all this stuff is people get tired of hearing about the whole thing after a while, so they just don't care. Well, what happens, but I don't understand, what happens if, if they're successful on all, like, is there a thing where the city's then going to name all three? You can't name three different things, Cesar Chavez, that's just going to be silly. That would be confusing. Well, they, they figure one. I mean, they'll take one out of the three. Broadway, Grand Avenue, or 39th Avenue. I mean, it doesn't matter to me. I mean, do whatever you want. Uh, it, but it just it seems that seems counterproductive. Like, it's sort of a division of efforts. You know what I mean? Like, they're kind of splitting up the support among the three different streets, as opposed to, like, the renamed 42nd guys we're focusing on. Yes, 42nd. So wow. That is all confusing. I suppose. Yeah, and people um, get tired of listening to it. Yes, I'm, I'm already tired of listening to it. Uh, let's go to the phones here and take, uh, let's see. This is caller number five. Hello. Hello. Is this Dave Zinn? Is this Dave Zinn? No, this is Andy Rambo, the homeschool kid. Okay. Of course it is. All right. Well, Andy Rambo, the home, the homeschooled kid, didn't it sound like you ought to be starring in your own YouTube series? Your name's really Andy Rambo? Yes. And no, I don't get any sort of copyright royalties. Thanks for clarifying that. It does sound like there ought to be webisodes of your life. Andy Rambo, homeschooled kid. And then it would be like you clutching like a bag of pencils in sort of a menacing fashion. I'll get right on that. All right. Uh, so are you ready to play 20 questions uh, about this mystery guest at stake here, Andy Rambo? Uh, Oregon State Fair tickets, uh, four pair of those, as well as run of engagement passes to the Dark Knight. All right. All right. So uh, now Sarah, God love her. She's good at many things. 20 questions, not on the list of things she's good at. So I need you to now demonstrate if if you uh, if you can the proper way in which one I'm sorry was it one pair oh I'm sorry Richie's put on the screen in all caps not four pair it's one pair is it that we have four pair total to give away is that the deal hold on a second do we have four pair total but it's one pair today yeah um all right so you get one pair of uh, the passes to the uh, to the fair one uh, pair of uh, run of engagement passes to the dark knight and everybody's going to be fine with that all right Please now to demonstrate the proper way in which you play 20 questions to uh, determine the identity of tomorrow's mystery guest who we will be speaking with telephonically. Go. All right. Is this person male? Yes. Does this person... Is this person pre-90s and when they came... Uh, Yes, they came to prominence pre-90s. All right. Uh... Let me ask before we go any further. Are you sort of sandbagging here? Do you really know who it is? I have a strong suspicion. Okay, but let's okay, then let's narrow it regardless. Just narrow it and then we'll let you guess here at the end. All right. 
Uh, does this person limit their music to any one style? No. Yeah, does this person... How quickly do you want me to narrow it? <laughs> you already know, don't you? I, not based off anything, I, fig I figured it out entirely. Just How do, Before you identify this person uh, by name, this mystery guest with whom we will be speaking tomorrow on the phone, before you identify them, let me say that, A, you clearly don't need the 20 questions to figure out who it is. B, you didn't need Sarah's 20 questions to figure out who I it is. I did. That's you, how I figured it out with Sarah's. Wait. Maybe my magical 20 questions wait, helped him. Hold on. So the irony here is, tickets. the irony is that Sarah uh, herself could not actually figure it out from the 20 questions she came up with and asked, and I answered, but you figured it out from Sarah's 20 questions. Yes. All right. Andy Rambo, the homeschool kid, identify tomorrow's mystery guest. Weird Al Yankovic. Indeed it is. Weird Al Yankovic. Oh, joining my us, God. He's on your list. Joining us. He's not. But, oh, uh, I thought he was on your list. No, I've already interviewed him. I had him. Uh, I interviewed him for a long time, uh, a couple years back. <laughs> All right. Congratulations, Andy Rambo, the homeschool kid. You have identified tomorrow's mystery guest on The Rick Emerson Show. You're winning a pair of passes to the Oregon State Fair and a pair of run of engagement passes to The Dark Knight. Congratulations, sir. Thank you. All right, there you go. Jebediah feeds the chickens and Jacob plows. Fool. All right. That is so cool. What are you going to ask see, him? See, that's exactly what I said you would say. That is so cool. I don't know what I'm going to ask him. So uh, it's going to be a phoner. No, I have a... Uh, what uh, song are you going to play to bring him on? Oh, the pressure. The pressure. I know. Uh, probably white and nerdy, just because that's kind of... It was a recent hit, and, it, I, and I dig it, and it's cool. It's a great song. Uh, so anyway, so that's going to be tomorrow on the 11 o'clock hour, early on. Early on, early on, uh, in tomorrow's program, the 11 o'clock hour, we're going to talk to Weird Al Yankovic so on the phone. What are Richie doing? Uh, that was Susan who put that together. Very so cool. Susan Reynolds put that together for us. So uh, thank you, Susan Reynolds. Uh, so that'll be tomorrow. We'll be talking to uh, Weird Al Yankovic. And no, I, a long time ago when I was working in, uh, in Utah, I, I had him uh, on the show. Um, and uh, he kind of just came and hang out in the studio. He came and hung out in the studio for a long time. And I have the picture of me with him somewhere, but I don't even know where it is. It's gone. So well, anyway, oh, I was gonna say we must get another one, but never mind. He's gonna be on the phone. Yeah. So that's uh, so that's very cool. So tomorrow, Weird Al Yankovic right here on these airwaves. So here's Tim Riley at the Ministry of Truth. That's pretty incredible. What time will that be? Uh, that'll be uh, kind of the beginning of the show. I would say before 11:30 tomorrow. Before 11:30. Yes. Okay. You don't. I don't act like you're gonna listen. How do you know I won't? I thought that you were going to be doing a thing. Or... I think he secretly listens all the time. He's when that good of a news. When you're in town but on vacation, do you listen? Sometimes. Oh, I can't. I don't listen. Screw that. I do sometimes. <laughs> I'm not, when I'm not here, I don't think about this place at all. No, that's Well, okay. I don't take that many days off. No. Well, really. I mean, it doesn't matter if I do or not, really. And I was going to say, that is a lie. When I'm not here, I think about this place all the time, constantly, and my wife will tell you that I'm constantly scribbling down notes and observations to myself. But what I don't Seriously? do... Yeah, I do. I carry around both my BlackBerry and a spiral notebook. I was doing this last night at uh, at Faster Pussycat. I was making notes to myself, witty things to say tomorrow into my BlackBerry. Mm -hmm. And if I don't have my BlackBerry, I'm writing things down into my spiral notebook to talk about. But what I so I do that. But when I'm not here, what I don't do is listen to the show. If I'm on vacation or if I'm you know whatever on those you know those those occasions when I've been sick or something, I don't listen to the show. I can't do that. It's too hard. It's like hard to listen. I don't know, because it makes me feel icky that I'm not there. Yeah, I mean, that's the thing. is It freaks me out. It makes my brain, it like folds my brain in well, well, the only bad thing is every time I take a day off, something happens, and I regret taking the day off. It's I know, real. I can't wait to see the big news tomorrow. Yeah, you're going to kill a celebrity just by being gone, Tim. Darn. All right, here's Tim Riley. A Target security guard collapsed to the ground when a shoplifter used a stun gun on her. This happened at the Tannisporn store. Now, this Target at Tannisporn is notorious. That's where they cut those kids. 
being egged on by their parents to shoplift. Same mm-hmm. story. It's nothing but trouble. They should have never opened it. The suspect was able to escape after the attack, but cops managed to track him down and arrest him this morning. He lives four blocks from the target he stole from, and they found the stun gun in his apartment. 47-year-old Kevin Jensen has a criminal record of robberies, and but he never used a weapon before. He now faces charges of robbery, assault, menacing, and lawful use of a weapon. It's a two-pronged stun gun that anybody could buy. The security guard said Jensen grabbed her arm when she tried to confront him at the Tennis Point Target store at Evergreen Parkway and then pulled the stun gun out of his pocket and zapped her. A short time earlier, she watched him put two MP3 players in his pocket and try to sneak them out of the store. So he hopped into a minivan, and police uh, spotted him a short time after. You know, if you commit crimes on this side of town, they'll nail you within 10 minutes. It's not like east and southeast. <laughs> they can be months... They might send somebody out. No, they will definitely send somebody out now to get you. It's not like the lawless Wild West that is the east side. Yes. No. So uh, they nailed it. Oh, no, that's, no, you screw up You, you screw up in this side. This, the man is going to be on you like uh, like green on grass. So that's that. Yeah. The Coquille Indian tribe, based in uh, southern Oregon, and they live on the coast. Why? That That's a good place to have a reservation. Usually Indians get all the bad stuff, but... Uh, this apparently is a coastal development. They recently adopted a law recognizing same-sex marriage. Sure, the Indian nation appreciates your support. I think so. Oregon voters amended the state constitution in 2004 to prohibit gay marriage. But as a federally recognized sovereign nation, the tribe is not bound by Oregon constitution. You know, I don't really, I was going to say I don't care. It's not that I don't care, but I realize it's a longer discussion than we probably have time for. I, am I the only one who is confused by what Indians can do and what they can't? Well, it's their own country. I don't mean in the sort of H. I don't. Uh, like fireworks. I was going to say I don't mean in the CBS harassment policy, like you know, everybody's capable of doing everything. I don't mean that. I don't mean in terms of ability. I mean, you. I mean, you always hear that they're a sovereign nation, right? But that's not really true. I mean, isn't there? There's probably stuff that. Well, that, they're not allowed to have like missiles. But I mean, why not? Well, they can do things up to a certain extent. Ow! I just jab myself in the eye with my glasses. Well, they can't do things to uh, threaten the white man. Hold on a second. Speaking of. Oh, did that hurt? Speaking, right? speaking oh. of hurting the white man, ow. I took my glasses off to polish them, mm-hmm. and then I went to put them back on, but as they were traveling to my face, the left earpiece bent in slightly, and I jabbed myself right in the eye with the end of Ouch. it. Ouch. You want to take a little break? No, I'm fine. I can play through the pain. George Costanza, after he squirted himself in the eye with the grapefruit. I'm a pro. I'll play through it. I guess that's the revenge of the Indian tribes. These glasses were built on an Indian burial ground! Uh, so, anyway, so they can't have missiles, or, I mean, I wonder if they could have nuclear power. No. Why not? Well, the technology could be used to make weapons. That's true. So as long like, er, they can't be like Iranians. <laughs> it's okay to be Indians, but you can't be like Iranians or do anything threatening. That's the official policy of CBS. <laughs> That's the CBS News Department's opinion. It's okay to be Indian, just not Iranian. Uh, so, well, okay, I guess that's a fair point. I mean, I guess, I guess maybe, maybe they, maybe reservations are not allowed to do anything that violates federal law. Well, that doesn't even make any sense because they can, because I think there is no federal I, I gay mean, marriage right. Right. I mean, I don't really care. I'm not going to be living on the res anytime soon, but I just, I, I am, it's one of those things I'm sort of curious about because, because you would think, I mean, not that it sort of makes the whole bargain even in the end, but, you know, but Whitey comes along and just gives you smallpox and kills everything, and then, you know, and then, live here. Oh, we lied. Live in this smaller place. We lied again. Live in this tiny lot. We, we lied again. Here, live in the back of this car. 
You know, until eventually we've just shoved everybody under this, this minuscule plot of land the size of a postage stamp. So you would think that maybe in some kind of small trade-off uh, for Whitey coming by and ruining everything, as he always does, mm. that you would at least be able to do whatever the hell you wanted. But it sounds like that's not even the case. All right, but in any event, so uh, so gay marriage now legal on which? Is this all or just one No, tribe? this is the Coquille Indian Reservation. Well, good for them. It's over on the coast. All right. So... If you're a Coquille Indian, we can do whatever you want. Fantastic. Within reason. Uh, police are looking for a sex offender. They uh, suspect uh, raped a lady in Northwest. They're trying to track down Jackie Weeks, whose last known address was the Medford Hotel in the 500 block of Northwest Fifth Avenue. Doesn't that sound like a wonderful neighborhood? Uh, police said he entered a woman's home in uh, Northwest Tuesday afternoon and assaulted her. The woman did not know Weeks. The investigation led police to a warehouse area in Southeast where they believe Weeks worked. So uh, at least he was gainfully employed in Southeast. Uh, officers, detectives, and uh, two canine units spent more than an hour looking for him last night. Uh, he was spotted, but then took off and managed to get away. Two teenagers in Eugene who beat a 59-year-old man with a baseball bat have each been sentenced to almost six years in the Husco. Even though the victim is black and the attackers are white, he said uh, he supported the decision by prosecutors not to try the case as a hate crime. Michael Clay is a musician and Vietnam veteran who sells organic vegetable seeds. It was attacked by 19-year-old Alex Lee Swiegel and 17-year-old Joseph, uh, Joseph Anthony George as he was walking home. He had a fractured skull, broken jaw, and injuries to his face and teeth. So here's the latest thing from John McCain. He is unsure how many houses he owns. <laughs> a dick. Oh, my God. Uh. In an interview, he says he is uncertain how many houses he and his wife Cindy own. Uh, I think I'll have my uh, staff get back to you. <laughs> oh, that's the best way to answer it. I'll have my people get back. When, you're, when, you, when, you, when you are unclear of how many homes are actually in your possession, mm -hmm. really the best way to look like uh, you know, the common man is to respond that your people will get back to somebody about that. Well, he said... Uh, oh, he's toast. He's well, so toast. Well, you never know. Uh, let's see. The correct answer is four. There's you said it like John McLaughlin <laughs> just now. The answer is four. Back after this. They're located in Arizona, California, and Virginia, according to a staff. Newsweek estimated uh, this summer that the couple owns at least seven. Well, wait. Okay. There's so many things to say here. One is how many houses do you own the new how much is a gallon of milk or something? Or how does this supermarket scanner work? Uh, B, the more distressing thing here is that John McCain apparently can't count to four. Mm -hmm. I mean, it's not like he had to remember 50. I can count to four. So, you know, I don't, I don't know. I, I think the question, you know, I was thinking about this last night on the drive home. I was somehow, I was thinking about Barack Obama and John McCain and whatever for some reason. I can't remember. Oh, we got a, we got the first take at a, at a Barack watch theme, an Obama oh, that watch That is theme. good. I've been waiting for that. Uh, our, our good friend Calvin, white weed sourdough, English muffin bagel, uh, sent us an Obama watch theme. I'll give that, I'll roll that out later on. Uh, what was my point? So I was thinking about Barack Obama, John McCain, blah, blah, blah. And, you know, as long as we're, you know, we're saying we're so tired of it and just wake me when, when you know, the, the fall gets here. But you know what? It's less than 90 days away. I mean, I'd be glad when it's fewer. over with. Wait, fewer? Less? Don't no, call to correct me about this. No, it's fine. You need to be corrected. Either either answer is fine. Fewer than 90 days. Yes. It's fewer than 90 days. Yeah, that's it's fine. Less time, fewer days. That's fine, too. We you all understand. You don't really care, do you? <laughs> I'm, I'm just being patronizing. Thank you. Uh, so, but I mean, it, I mean, really, in, in I mean, no, I, 
Go ahead. It's only it's I mean it's only like eighty some days until the election, which I guess I in my head it's just it seems it like it can't been, come soon enough. It seems like it's been going on forever, so I guess I might just thinking, Oh, we got another year of this, but we really don't. No. I mean we're gonna be over soon enough. And I think it's gonna be I think it will come down to do people do people hate Barack Obama and you know, in terms of you know, the people on the on the right side of the aisle. Uh, the Republican side, because there's so much like we're going to stay home and we're not even going to vote. It's do they dislike him more than they are indifferent to John McCain? Because there's so many of those religious groups that say, well, I'm not even going to vote. John McCain is such a lackluster candidate. And so the question is, will their dislike of Barack Obama or Democrats overcome their indifference, their apathy about John McCain? Mm-hmm. All right. Here's Tim Riley. Then John McCain's wife, Cindy, who insists she's an only child. Uh, well, this doesn't sit too well with one of her sisters. <laughs> The New York Post is reporting <laughs> that uh, Kathleen Hensley uh, Potowski is demanding an apology for being made to, quote, feel like a non-person. This is just weird. The first lady wannabe has another half-sister on her mother's side. Her husband uh, spread the only child uh, fiction even at her father's funeral in 2000. It's quite a strange performance with her sister and nieces and nephews sitting right in front of her. The McCain campus issued a statement saying... Cindy was raised as an only child and has no, quote, family relationships with her siblings. You're either an only child or you're not. That's not a situational statement. That is uh, one either has siblings, half siblings. Mm-hmm. One, one's parents or parent either had other kids or they didn't. That seems to be kind of an on-off proposition. That's a le- I love the idea that she's just, uh, I, you know, you're not an only child. Yes, I am. They're sitting right over there. No, they're not. You have a sister. No, I don't. Uh, that's just strange. There's something weird about that woman. Uh, she appears to be made almost solely out of gristle and hate. I mean, that's just my assessment. Well, her, her hair is pulled back like in the 1950s when it's almost pulling her scalp back. Seriously, like into a steel bun at the back. She looks like she ought to be wearing pince-nez spectacles. Here's the latest cookie recipe from Betty Crocker. <laughs> but it's a cookie recipe that she's giving you angrily. Mm-hmm. Doesn't she seem like one of those... Uh, Cindy McCain seems like one of those women that even when she was being nice to you, it would be in this sort of cold, threatening fashion. I'm adding prunes to this recipe for your own good. <laughs> <laughs> I've toasted your mittens in the oven so they're nice and warm. Put them on now so you don't catch a cold. Uh, and then either, meanwhile, she's just giving you like the death stare. So, I apologize for wasting precious airtime with the less fewer thing early, earlier on. That wasn't a waste. It was, it was ingenious. I'm just saying I typically have a very good handle on the... Less, fewer thing. Mm-hmm. But occasionally, I'll come across something where I don't quite know, and then it frustrates me, because I'm always the person who corrects people about that. We all learned a lot. I mean, there are some situations where it is clearly not usable. I know. I'm going to be quiet now. Here's Tim Riley. It's like, how many Nesmans are there? What? Well, using the same terminology, how many Nesmans are there? Are there fewer? There are less Nesmans. <laughs> you bastard. I didn't even I pick that up right away. And I didn't it. even. I, I baffled you. I think my brain is not even on slow. My brain is working on sideways today. That was pretty good. Good for well, you. Well, I'm not going to be here tomorrow, so I have to throw extra material at you. To double up on today's comedy. Here's Tim Riley. So, uh, I'm just <laughs> We need more news, not less. An escaped emu has been shocked with a taser gun. This happened in Florida. Happened where? Florida. I don't even I don't even know why that happened just now. Yeah, I just I, I failed. You, that's Epic fail. So sheriff's deputies were forced to use a taser to subdue an escaped emu named Plop Plop. The uh, large female bird escaped from a farm last weekend, and she was holed up with some horses and goats in a pen. 
When deputies arrived, the emu went kind of crazy. The deputies didn't want to hurt the bird or hurt themselves, so they used a taser to immobilize Plop Plop. The emu was brought to the county animal control center. She has made a full recovery. The owner is expecting to take her home soon. Today's mystery phrase is: They used a taser to immobilize Plop Plop. Do you, all, uh, do you all ever try that emu jerky that I brought to work? Well, you probably wouldn't have, Tim. No. Yeah, I didn't. It was good. It was good. Mm, emu. Here's Tim Riley. A Saudi cleric said, there'll be no birthday cake or flowers for Muslims. Grand Mullah Abdul Aziz al-Sheikah rebuffed a more lenient cleric who tried to loosen strict rules against birthday parties and other celebrations. What a, what a fun place that must be to live. Mm-hmm. Uh, he told TV viewers on the Colin show last week that birthdays and wedding anniversaries didn't violate Islamic teachings. Well, the conservative Saudis reacted with an uproar that prompted the mullah to crack down. A Saudi newspaper reports that Al-Shakai denounced it as a violation of Muslim righteousness. He added that such celebrations would make Muslims too much like flowers. Oh, too much like followers of other faiths, including the Jews and the Christians. Yeah, it is the religion of peace, Tim. Mm-hmm. All right. A New York man facing criminal charges were allegedly calling police in an effort to get a gas station clerk arrested after he was denied a refund for a box of condoms. First of all, how funny is that that you have to... Were they, were they used or unused? He doesn't say. Police are charging 21-year-old Caden Jackson with making a false 911 call. Jackson claimed the clerk had robbed him of his money. He had apparently purchased the condoms at a gas station the day before and was enraged that the clerk declined a refund for the unopened box. So he didn't use it. <laughs> How sad is that? I guess I'm not going to be using these after all. I uh, need my three ninety nine back. Thanks. All right, here's Tim Riley. Jerry Seinfeld may have a new job promoting Windows Vista. PC Magazine says the former star and former comedian has had a $10 million deal to push the operating system. The magazine also reports the concept behind the ads would be Windows, not Walls which involves breaking down barriers between people and ideas. That's a stupid slogan. The new ads are in response to rival Apple's Get a Mac ads involving Justin Long and John Hogman. By the way, it should also be noted, and several people have emailed about this, Jerry Seinfeld, all through the run of the Seinfeld series, has a Macintosh prominently displayed in his apartment. Yep. So, there is, just remember, everybody has their price, kids. All right. Uh, let's do one more. I they call him a former star, too. That's just... Salt in the wound. Well, because he's not, I mean, but to, but to his credit, other than that B-movie thing, he's sort of voluntarily not doing anything, right? I mean, he is just more or less What retired. else does he have to do? Well, that's the thing. I mean, he's not, I mean, you know, I, I think he's in his 50s now. Maybe. Married to some teenager. As somebody, as somebody said, he's just at home effing models in a big pile of cash. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, really, what else? Did you ever see that documentary, Comedian? I don't think so. Oh, you have to see that. Sarah, did you see that? I think I watched a bit of it with you. Okay, Comedian. Here's the reason everybody on the show the was trailer. a comedian. Because of the trailer. The, the, the Comedian was the movie that had that trailer. One man in an outpost. Yeah. A renegade robot cop. Comedian is actually a really great documentary. Tim, I think you would especially like it. Mm. And what they do is Jerry Seinfeld did this thing a few years ago where he was going out on the road to start a brand new stand-up act. In other words, he had he had gotten rid of all his old material, wouldn't use any, any old material, any old jokes, anything. He was going to start from scratch. And they and so he was going to workshop it in really small clubs, and then they were going to lead up to him performing his his new material for the first time at Carnegie Hall. Um, and you know he noted that that's that that's kind of difficult to do. You know, starting a, an act from scratch is tough. And so the documentary does two things: they follow Jerry Seinfeld around 
Uh, you know, I think it was for like a year, but it's like a two-hour documentary. But they follow him for six months as he goes from place to place working on his new act, which is actually a lot more fascinating than it sounds like. But at the same time, they also follow this up-and-coming sort of young, hot comedian, this guy named Orny Adams, who's just a bastard, just like an absolute jerk. And they, they follow him around, too, and it really is a great window into the neuroses of uh, of comedians and celebrities uh, and those who wish to be celebrities and just how completely, like, broken they all are inside. I'll bring it in if you want to watch it. It's really yeah. great. It's great and sort, of, and sort of disturbing to watch. All right, here's Tim Riley. The NYPD say they caught the Brooklyn mugger who's been preying on seniors for nearly two months. The most recent attack was on an 85-year-old woman who was choked and robbed of $900. 36-year-old Cornelius Abson was picked up yesterday afternoon. The big break in the case came when Detective Matthew Walker realized he had busted Abson six years ago for the very same thing. I heard about the pattern. I realized the M.O. was very similar. And then when I observed the video and saw him choking the old lady from behind, the elderly woman, I realized that it was very similar. He said he realized that the Brooklyn mugger was... The same as Rema's arrest in 2002. I saw the M.O., and then when I watched the video, I realized that it was very similar to him. So Absent has written an apology to the 85-year-old victim, Lillian France. He said he was sorry that uh, he had a drug habit and that uh, the person that did this, you know, is not necessarily the person that he is. Choking the old lady from behind sounds like spanking Aunt yeah. Winkle. Yeah. Or whatever that phrase was yesterday. All right. Well, Denver is showing off proudly its new warehouse to jail people. It is designed to hold 400 protesters in case of mass arrest at next week's Democratic convention. It has 20 chain-link cells with chairs for each prisoner. Under Sheriff Bill Lovinger promises detainees will have access to water, restrooms, telephones, and medical care. The mayor ordered the original uh, razor wire removed, though. Uh, so the uh, pens will also be getting some chain-link ceilings. Linda Fogel owns a design lighting next door. She says uh, police are being very secretive. But now they're opening up a little bit and explain the needs for the, the uh, lockout. The cells will hold nominally 20 people at a time. Uh, they'll have water inside. Uh, there'll be access to restrooms. You know, we've got our man Seamus in Denver. Uh, we, ought to be, uh, we ought to have him go down to the scene of the DNC convention to see what it looks like outside. Hmm. Because are they, are they doing that thing this year? With, like, are they going to let the protesters? Although I can't I mean, what would they even be protesting? I mean, that's, I saw a news story the other day mm -hmm. where they were, A, they're building this jail, which is just for the protesters that they anticipate arresting. Also, they put out this, there was like some, some ordinance or some law specifically passed disallowing the protesters from carrying buckets of feces. There's like some Denver, like the, the city council got together and passed something like, if you're a protester, you're not allowed to carry a bucket of poop around, which apparently was like on the agenda for many of them. So... Well, let me ask you this, Tim, and I mean this. Uh, this is a sincere inquiry from uh, this side of the table. Yes. In your journalistic experience, what would they even be protesting? That I is, mean, maybe they're Hillary followers. Who will not concede defeat. Even maybe. after all this time. Ah, that's a, that's you a possibility. You know how belligerent the Clintons are. No, that's true. They're evil. They probably I, call people up. I can see that. No, no, no. Maybe there are some, some pro-Hillary people there. I can't imagine they're going to be causing enough of a ruckus to get arrested. I mean, I guess maybe there'll be like a handful of the sort of always protesting, you know, the Trey Arrow types are going to be there. But they really see. I would imagine the RNC convention is going to be much more uh, brutal in terms of protesters. And they're probably going to do that thing like they did a few years ago in L.A. for the RNC convention where they're probably going to have those protesters like five miles away. Like, you won't be able to protest anywhere near the building, I would imagine. They'll have, like, mobile waterboarding. Totally. <laughs> waterboarding while you wait. Uh, the um, There ought to be... Oh, I have a great idea for a station promotion. 
You know how everybody does the dunk tank? Does it involve waterboarding? Yes. Yeah. There ought to be a waterboard tank where, like, everybody throws the baseball, and if you hit a thing, a guy goes... <laughs> 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 See, it made Tim laugh. I like it. Okay, wait. No, hold on. I'm going to give this idea to Lars Larson. Lars, here's an idea from me to you. Uh, if you're done if you're done squeezing yourself into a uh, to a regular-sized airplane seat, <laughs> and you can... Um, here's an idea from me to Lars Larson. Lars... Because Rick Emerson cares and has more material than he can possibly use, he is passing this idea along to you. Lars, the days of summer are still upon us. You've got the rest of August and quite possibly September to do something public and stupid. So here's what you can do for some sort of like a gag, a goof, maybe to raise uh, money for some sort of charity that gives guns to children. Uh, you could have, it's like a dunk tank, and then inside, and you wouldn't use a real person, probably, you get like a mannequin, and you dress the mannequin like a terrorist, and then you put, like, a hood or whatever or, like, you know, card cable battery things on its genitals or whatever you do. Uh, and then you, inside, you just tape the mannequin, you strap the mannequin to the board so that when you hit the little lever thing with the uh, baseball, the mannequin is then dumped into the water head first, da-da-da, waterboarding. And it's called Dunk the Terrorist, Waterboard the Terrorist, something like that. And then you charge people, like, a dollar for three throws. There you go. Isn't that funny? Yes. If you were some hack talk show host, wouldn't you do that? Mm -hmm. All right, there you go. Lars, that idea is, uh, is, that is, that is from me to you, my friend. You can have that. There you go. Here's Tim Riley. Also out of New York, a magician has been arrested for secretly videotaping women while they undress. The cops say 58-year-old Robert Indefino would lure his victims in by advertising online that he would take free photos of them for portfolios. He would then secretly film them as they changed outfits during the film shoots. He would start with, okay, you know, uh, costume changes, and, mm -hmm. you know, you go from a bathing suit to maybe a, an athletic uniform to a dress or whatever else, and then he, you know, would film the costume changes. You know, first of all, was he offering them free photo shoots? Yes, free photo shoots. Sarah, if some guy just offered to take in free photos of you in New York, no. that's what I'm saying. Uh, so, you know, anyway. Yeah, stupid people get what's coming That's. Us coming to them. Exactly. There's really no defense against just being dumb. Uh, also, I was going to say this is exactly like that episode of WKRP in Cincinnati where the photographer took nude photos of Jennifer Marlowe and then uh, and then Johnny Fever and Bailey Quarters had to pretend to be a German couple named uh, something in Philippe and go in and they had to uh, to get the photos back from the guy and then blah, 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 blah. It's just like that. Let's do one more and then we'll break. All right. So we're done with that. We're done with that. We're done with that. Turn the page again. Uh, look what's uh, coming back here. The Cheetah Girls are back for a new movie. The trio that features Adrian, Sabrina, and Kylie premiered their third Disney Channel original film, The Cheetah Girls, One World. The Cheetah Girls say the movie, shot entirely in India, will follow them as they decide what to do in their senior year of high school. The whole movie really is about, you know, what happens to, you know, friends and, and to just people in general when they're faced with, like, a big change in their life. And I think that that's something that our fans, our fans' parents, everybody's going to be able to relate to. Raise your hand if you know who the Cheetah Girls are. I only know because I saw them on Good Morning America yesterday. And didn't the Cheetah Girls sound like some strip club group? That's <laughs> like what some, I thought they were. They sound like some gang of uh, burlesque dancers. But, uh, <laughs> uh, so what? They're what? They're like fifteen, right? They're they're role models. It is such a huge honor for us. I think the the fact that we are, um, you know. Thanked by our fans and parents a lot of being good role models in their lives and giving them something positive to to listen to and to watch on the channel. You know, 
I have to tell you that there's. I was talking to somebody yesterday about that. Well, I'll be having children within a year. <laughs> I I was talking to uh, to Lisa uh, Wood about, I guess this movie that's coming out, Hamlet Two, um, and I it, and she's like, "Hey, are you excited for Hamlet 2? And at first I thought she was like screwing with me, like, "What? What do you mean Hamlet 2? And she goes, "No, that movie Hamlet Two that's coming out." And then I and then I, apparently there is some movie coming out. It's like a like a goof, uh, you know, like a like a slapsticky film, Hamlet Two, blah blah blah. But for a second, I didn't realize that it was like a comedy. I, I in my head when she was saying, "Are you looking forward to that Hamlet Two movie coming out?" I immediately was envisioning like the player with Tim Robbins, where there's the guy giving in the pitch. It's Hamlet Two, uh, you know, and it's a musical and there's skating. Uh, but apparently there's some movie coming out, Hamlet Two, blah blah blah. But the point is. I told her that because of TiVo, I'm just so, like, completely out of the loop. I just don't see a lot of commercials for stuff. So there's this whole whole uh, swath of entertainment about which I'm not really, uh, you know, just, uh, you know, I'm not really uh, familiar with it. And so it is because we don't have kids. With every passing year, the three of us here in this room and Richie, we all get more and more out of touch with anything that affects people under the age of 18. Uh, because I just have no reason to be watching, like, Noggin or something. So, uh, you know, so the Cheetah Girls, the Cheetah Girls can arrive, become famous, have a scandal, fail and vanish, and I will never knew, I, I won't even have known they existed. That name is just tacky, too. And the Cheetah know. Girls, well, because I was thinking of the Cheetah Club. Well, which it reminds me is... of, like, the shiny cheap peaches that my mom used to buy me. That's interesting. It is. It's weird. Like, these are horrific. Like, what was their, um, I guess it wasn't Frank. Was it Lisa? Linda Frank? I don't know. Some kind of, like, really weird tacky peaches that were just, like, all, like, bright like Paul Frank? Like, kind of, but it was, I can't remember what the brand was, and they had, like, really, like, tacky animal prints and stuff on them. I don't know, but I mean, when I think of the Cheetah Girls, I just think of that strip club in Las Vegas where Elizabeth Berkeley was dancing, and with a guy with a pockmarked face. They're training them young for Disney's world of sleaze. <laughs> Disney's wonderful world of sluts. All right. Uh, shall we take a break? Sure. All right. We come back. More from Tim Riley, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, let's see. Top five Guns N' Roses songs you never hear on the radio as uh, compiled by the uh, guys in Appetite for Deception. High Concept Thursday. We'll talk to Chris Paddock later on today. Uh, and uh, more of your phone calls. Stay there. It's the Rick Emerson Radio Program. Don't forget, tomorrow, Weird Al Yankovic. All right. Let's try this. This is the voiceover for Comedian Movie Trailer. Take one. In a world where laughter was king. Uh, no in a world, Jack. What do you mean, no in a world? It's not that kind of movie. Oh? Okay. In a land that... No in a land either. In a time... No, I don't think so. In a land before time. It's about a comedian, Jack. One man. No. When your life is no longer your own. What, what does that mean? When everything you know is wrong. That's wrong. In an outpost. No. On the edge of space. Just space. A girl. No. Two girls. No. Now. No. More than ever. Stop it. A renegade cop. Oh, I hate you. A robot renegade cop. You're fired. You're fired. No, you're actually fired. I'm fired. Get out of the booth, Jack. No. I like it in here. Hello, it's the Rick Emerson Radio Program. 
It's uh, 503-733-2970. Still to come today. Oh, I got the... Okay, a couple things. A, uh, tomorrow, big guest, Weird Al, ladies and gentlemen. Weird Al Yankovic uh, will be on the phone with us tomorrow. Uh, so that's going to be happening in the 11 o'clock hour. So get your Weird Al Yankovic questions now, 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 more than ever. Uh, let's see. I think we already gave away our crap for today. Uh, we're going to be giving away more stuff tomorrow. But then, there's some other things that I can't quite reveal. But, it, man, we got a really just a plethora. Uh, a plethora well, tomorrow, of opinions. I mean... Tim announces he's leaving, then all this craziness happens. That's right, Tim. You caused the crazy. Thank you, Tim. It's just for you. You know what it is? It's sort of like you're like a uh, you're sort of like a virgin throwing yourself into a volcano to create rain. Something like that. Yes. You go on vacation and celebrities die, and we talk to Weird Al. Uh, so tomorrow, Weird Al Yankovic coming up. So we've been giving away a bunch of cool stuff. We really have a bounty of things to give away recently. We had all the Dark Knight stuff. Uh, we were given away, um, Jesus, did we give away, did we just give away some fat, well, we gave away the whole, like, Kissology 2, and then Kissology 3, um, you're we, too generous. We gave away Monty Python, we gave it to Spamalot, so I, uh, there's some other things in the pipeline that aren't confirmed yet, so I can't talk about them, but I will say in terms of DVDs, man, we got some cool stuff. In the next couple weeks, we're going to be giving away, uh, The Shield, the entire season six, all of season six, The Shield, uh, The Shield sixth season, uh, collection, and then... So that's next week. I think next week we're giving away, I think we have one each day. So I think every day next week we're going to be giving away a copy of The Shield entire sixth season as we prepare for what they're calling uh, The Shield, the final act, uh, which is this final season starting in September. And then the weekend after, or the week after that, two weeks from now, all week, every day, we're going to be giving away, yes, attention Sarah Dillon, yes. and quite possibly Tim and Richie and me, the two-disc collector's edition, The Bodyguard. There you go. The bodyguard, like, 15th anniversary, whatever. So that's I was just crazy. looking at the bodyguard this morning yeah. when I was at Safeway, and they're selling it there for $9.99. I'm like, I'm going to go get that at CD Game Exchange. Now, is that the regular or is that the There's deluxe? It's the regular. No, no, no. This is the, the this is the deluxe edition. Two discs. I think it's, like, the 15th or 20th anniversary or some crap. Uh, I love that movie so much. Well, in two Can weeks. Can I play against the listeners for one of them? That seems kind of piggish, but perhaps. Uh, all right. Yes, we'll let you do that. All right, here's Tim Riley. Well, a father and son theft team are under arrest following a chase through Scapoose. Police from several agencies were patrolling the highway. That's Highway 30 between Portland and Scapoose. When a Venonia cop tried to uh, stop a car for traffic violation, it sped up. It turned onto Rocky Point Road, and the chase went on. They lost out of the car until a fish and wildlife trooper saw them again at the top of Rocky Point, Pond, Rocky Point Road and Skyline Boulevard. The car drove across the trooper's pickup and finally stopped on old Dixie Mountain Road. That's when the driver ran off, leaving his 72-year-old dad inside the car. Uh, one of these guys is arrested on probation violation. And of course, they both stole the car together. So it's <laughs> so the dad is 72. The son is 27. The charges, uh, if they want to split them up, I guess they can all be charged with something so they don't feel left out. Eluding police, reckless driving, out-of-state drug warrants. The car was uh, stolen from the Scapoose area. Of course it was. All right. This whole story makes me feel like I ought to be ch- uh, chewing on straw. Why don't we go to Scapoose and steal the car? No one will know. We'll drive up old Dixie Mountain Road. <laughs> Who will ever see us? Fantastic. Hmm. I wonder if they have the Confederate flag upon uh, Dixie Mountain. I don't really know. Hey, who wants to hear this uh, this submission for the Obama Watch oh, team? Uh, let me see here. Let's see if I've... Uh, uh, well, I hope I actually brought it down with me. Let me see here. If not, I can always I can always uh, download it again. Uh, let's see. It, so it is from our friend... Um, it's from our friend Calvin who created the... Uh, and he now... What's so great about that, guys? He now just 
He signs his uh, he now signs his emails like his sig file is white wheat sourdough English muffin bagel. White wheat sourdough English muffin bagel. Exactly. Uh, all right. So this is Calvin. He recorded this this morning. Let me see if I got his uh, his little clarification about it. Um, ba, ba, ba. All right. So here we go. The email from Calvin says. Um, anyway, he says I uh, I stayed up all night recording this. I think I was irritating my neighbors because my walls are very thin. So this is we were talking about how whether Barack ends up being the president or not. Certainly, I mean we're we're kind of coming up on the election. We are the, the rubber's about to meet the road. So I and I just I I would like to to create some sort of a McCain watch, but I just don't care. I mean even that's the thing about McCain is like he's such an uninteresting dull can't regardless of one's partisanship or lack thereof. He just is so utterly uninteresting. It's like just watching dust. And so I can't even get excited about the idea of just thinking about it. A McCain watch just sort of makes me want to sleep. I'd rather go back to coming up with a carry watch. He's counting houses in his sleep. <laughs> um, so this is a listener. This is the first submission we've received for a Barack watch. Uh, what sounds better, Barack watch or Obama watch? Obama watch. I think Obama watch. Mm -hmm. This is the first submission for an Obama watch theme. Uh, this comes to us from listener Calvin, ladies and gentlemen. Oh, I'm sorry. Is that the, am I turned up over there? All right. This is your uh, first submission for an Obama watch theme. The Bulgars, my him. Barack Obama, Barack Obama, McCain can't fight him. Barack Obama, Barack Obama. So there you go. And then it just started trailing. Wait, what did, I couldn't understand the lyrics. What did it say? I think it's the voters like him, Barack Obama, Barack Obama, and then McCain can't fight him, I think, is the other. I thought it was the gang can't find him. Well, that just doesn't make any sense. It doesn't sense. make any sense. All right. So, uh... That's the confusion. It's okay. The only thing about it is it's going to... I mean, that's going to date pretty quickly. That's only going to have a shelf life until, like, November 5th or whatever the hell it is. So, all right. Well, in any event, we'll take it under advisement. So if you'd like to send us your uh, Obama watch suggestions, themes, what have you, it's uh, rick at rickemerson.com. Uh, Here's Tim Riley. Okay, so now I have the uh, Democratic Convention scheduled for uh, Denver, and is it boring? Uh, Monday will be a tribute to Ted Kennedy, but he's not going to be there. Instead, Nancy Pelosi and someone named Missouri Senator Claire McCaskill will speak about him. Who is Claire McCaskill? She is a Missouri senator. I never heard of her before. <laughs> and it was, for those who couldn't see it, they playing the home game. That was just followed by the biggest shrug I've ever... A shrug... Which then, Tim shrugged, and then effortlessly, effortlessly became a dismissive wave of the hand. Sort of like, never heard of her, she doesn't matter, gone. So then on Tuesday, the topic is renewing America's promise. The speakers will be Arizona Governor Nipolitano and uh, Governor Rendell Nipolitano. Her first name is Janet. She's the Arizona Governor. Janet Napolitano, the singer for Concrete Blonde? Yes. Well, I'm not sure if she's the same woman or not, but she's going to be speaking about renewing America's promise. All right, well, whatever. Then after that is securing America's future. Wait, hold on, hold on a minute. You're going a mile a minute here. First, we're going to take securing. care of the promise. Then we're going to take care of the future. Yes. Where does potential? What about America's potential? I haven't gotten that far what yet. What about dreams? But securing America's future. What about making a brighter tomorrow? Bill Clinton's going to be What about speaking. the children? Bill Clinton, Governor Richardson, and that boring guy, Harry Reid. And the headline prime speaker will be... The Democratic presidential, vice presidential candidate, whoever right. he might be. I think they, I wish they'd shake it up a little bit, maybe through a clerical error, and just have Harry Reams speak instead. That might spice the whole thing up. So, they, but, but then Thursday, Barack Obama speaks at the stadium. So they're doing that jerk move, though, where they've already got the VP scheduled to speak, but no one knows who the VP nominee even is. Right. Well, it's Friday. He, that's what you're going to miss. That's what, no, that's what you're going to miss. No, I'm going to be here next Friday. No, 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 but isn't the convention this coming Monday? No, no. Well, this coming Tuesday. Hold on. 
Let's stop. Is or is not Barack Obama scheduled to speak this Saturday somewhere with the VP? Yes. That means the announcement is going to come tomorrow, which means you will miss it. Yes. Okay, so that's what I I'm saying. You, I thought you were talking about the Democratic <laughs> Convention. No, 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 not the Democratic Convention. You'll be back, but I'm saying we were talking about, we were just saying earlier that when you leave, the yeah. universe makes magical things happen somehow. You know, big stories happen. Mm -hmm. So we were wondering what's going to happen tomorrow while you're gone. But that maybe should I, ju I should just pretend I'm leaving. Maybe, not. maybe you should take <laughs> it right now. Like, well, I got to go home and feed the dog, and I've got this pain on my left side. Bye. Yeah, I mean, so that's what's going to happen. So tomorrow, at some point, I mean, I, he can't do it today. The news cycle is already over on the East Coast. So tomorrow, Barack Obama will probably reveal the name of the VP. Let him. All right. <laughs> that's way to, way to, way to, there you go. Way to have style. Way to not be rattled by it, Tim. Way to just screw it. I don't care. Then on Thursday, the 28th, Barack Obama will speak to approximately 75,000 people, which is 5,000 less than heard him speak here. Is that true? Yes. I think here was the biggest audience he ever had. Well, but I mean, that's, uh, is he speaking at a, is it like an outdoor stadium or he something? He's speaking at the Investo Mile High Stadium. Investo sounds like a magician who would make your money multiply. It does. I'm Investo, the, mag the magical <laughs> investor. Fannie Mae. Sorry. But I mean, it has more dignity than like Petco Stadium <laughs> in San Diego. I don't think they have Barack it. Obama. Speaking of Petco Stadium. <laughs> that, that is true. Barack Obama will be speaking, speaking at Hooters Arena today. Investo. Doesn't Investo sound like some, he sounds like some sort of stock broker, like some sort of financial advisor, but he'd be wearing like a cape and he'd have a handlebar mustache. And you don't need any money. It's oh so easy. <laughs> you can buy entire city blocks with no money down. Millions are doing it. They're lying beside their pool with, with women with breast implants pedaling around them and floats. Investo. Investo says, there's never been a better time for mutual funds. And then there'd be smoke. You don't need any money or knowledge to do any of this. Oh, all right. Okay. KCMD Portland. <laughs> CBS radio station. To their undying shame. All right, so tomorrow Barack Obama will probably announce his choice for VP. And then he's going to talk some, some, somewhere, somewhere on Saturday he'll talk. Tim will care about none of it. Tim doesn't matter. It doesn't bother him at all. You are not, but you are not ruffled in the slightest. No. Uh, and then, uh, then the convention starts, and da 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 da. So we're not going to be. The, the irony, of course, is we're not going to get to talk to Lisa at all during the convention, because every day during the convention, she's going to be doing this sort of live, like nerd radio show uh, from like eleven to one or some crap. For uh, it is just for like people who want to follow everything. Like C CNN is going to be doing just like some some long form show from eleven to one. I think during the convention that is just two hours of just of talk about the uh, convention. And God love Lisa, but I can't not I can't even begin to imagine how boring that will be to for large chunks of the broadcast. Not because of her, but just because like how much can you possibly say? You know what I mean? Well, uh, I'm looking at a podium. There appears to be a carefully selected smattering of children behind it. I think one of them. Uh, I think one of them has a hair lip. Okay, nothing's happening. All right, I mean, that's it, really. That's going to be now. Guys setting up flowers on stage. There's uh, So, you know, whatever. Here's Tim Riley. Well, we knew this would have to happen because they're running out of time. And, of course, they want to go down in history as not being the administration that lost the war. Uh, Iraq and the U.S. have reached preliminary agreement to withdraw American forces from Iraqi cities by next June. This is six years into the increasingly unpopular war. Uh, so who do we have here? We have the Iraqi Prime Minister Maliki. 
He says among the issues being addressed are the Iraqi wish for a time horizon, which means withdrawal. Time horizon for U.S. troops to withdraw from his country. This is a sign of confidence in the Iraqi military and security that they are overtaking more and more responsibility. Please, please get out as soon as you can. So uh, apparently they're going to try to do this as soon as possible. Uh-huh. And then we'll never see it again no. until the last helicopter leaves. <laughs> people, people grabbing onto the top as it's sort of leaving downtown Baghdad. <laughs> Stepping on people's fingers. Get uh. your hands off that ladder. <laughs> Hi, you're on the Rick Emerson Show. Hello. Hey, Rick, this is Stewart. What's up, sir? I just want to say it's not Invesco, it's Invesco Field. Oh, well, that doesn't make a very good magician name. Not really. <laughs> what is Invesco? Uh, I, I think it's an investment company. Well, then it ought to be Investo. Why would they put a C there? Uh, you know, they drop the T and put in a C, I guess. I would never trust a company that can't spell correctly. <laughs> All right, thank They're you. Abbreviating. All right, well, I'm still going to keep saying Investo because it's funnier. Okay, cool. All right, thank uh, you. All right. Hi, you're on the Rick Emerson Show. Hello. Hello. Hey. Uh, I have a suggestion for the watch for Barack Obama. For the Obama watch, yes. Yeah, anything that you do has to include that song, uh, Cult of Personality. Oh, the living color thing. Yeah. There's something there. There's yeah. a little something there because there does seem to be, of course, Cult of Personality. That was a Stalin thing, wasn't it, Tim? Yeah. Didn't Stalin create and the Cult of Personality essentially was the sort of adulation of a secular figure as though he were a living God, which yeah. I think does have some sort of relevance to the way Barack exactly. Obama was created. So exactly. there's, there's something there. Maybe like a maybe some sort of a sound uh, like a, a sound collage that maybe blends a little bit of the living color hit Cult of Personality, maybe with then kind of a Soviet maybe March sort of theme happening. Underneath it, or maybe actual Stalin audio. Okay, there's something there. I think that's. I think that is an acorn from which a mighty sounder might grow, sir. Awesome. All right, thank you. Thanks. There you go. All right, here's Tim Riley. Meanwhile, Seattle police say they now have more to go on in the theft last week of two pugs from a Seattle home. Police spokesman Sean Whitcomb says witnesses have come forward with new information about the alleged pug thieves. The car that we are looking for in this case is a dark blue SUV, and this car was near the victim's home on Saturday at about 2 p.m. The witnesses are connected to the two men in the suspicious SUV, the one that's owned by the pug thieves. There was a male driver who was waiting for another man to come out of the front yard of the home. One of the witnesses saw this second man pick up a pug from the sidewalk and put it in the car. So the investigation continues. So this is a double pug napping. Yes. All right. There's an evil person who steals somebody else's Really? Dog. There's something really There's wrong like about that. There's something wrong with that. That's somebody who should be taken out back and, and dealt with appropriately. So that's why they will be found. That is a, uh, that's a human that ought to be put down. Mm-hmm. All right. Uh, switching gears, this is news for and about women. Uh, ladies, you don't have to break the bank to look pretty. Uh, apparently, depending on where you live, I suppose not. Uh, we have uh, beauty editor of OK Magazine, Carlene DePonzio. That's exactly who you want to give you beauty tips. It's a magazine called OK. Carlene DePonzio says nails can be maintained without regular visits to the uh, salon. Wait a minute. Oh, here she is. There's a company called Red by Kiss. They make these great manicure and pedicure kits. It has all the tools that you'll need to get that fun experience in the comfort of your own home. By the way, that soundbite made Sarah look at her fingernails right now, and I saw your I saw your eyes sort of squint and your brow furrow as you were inspecting your fingernails. I've never had a manicure. Really? Yeah. That surprises me. 
I thought I've, you had, I've had acrylics, but I've never had a manicure. Wait, what is the it difference? It seems like a waste of money. A manicure where they buff your nails and they trim yeah, your they cuticles shine them or something. Like, yeah, and then, like paint them. I'm like, why would I want somebody else to paint my nails? I'm just gonna like ding them against something. And I suppose and if fifteen bucks down the drain. And if they're buffing your nails, I suppose that only lasts for like a day or two, right? Yeah. You know, Richie gets that done though. Richie gets manicures and pedicures, which is, I suppose, his right as an American. But uh, uh, the uh, blah da blah, blah and so forth. All right. Uh, ladies, don't forget the promise you made to brighten your teeth. There's a Rembrandt whitening pen that I love. I take it with me everywhere I go. It's always in my bag. It's like a marker. And if you're out to dinner or you have a glass of red wine, you can pop into the bathroom, just rub it over your teeth, and it gets rid of the superficial stain. Boy, sign me up to date her. She sounds like a big ball of fun. of your superficial personality. Really? <laughs> wow. Just, that's the kind of girl I don't get along with. Well, I mean, that's the kind of girl that nobody gets along with, right? That is the girl that Lycus tells you, I mean, never to date. That is the, I mean, does that not, I mean, I don't know her, but does that girl not sound like the very definition of high maintenance? Mm-hmm. Uh, and Billy Crystal really did, he nailed something, or whoever wrote, uh, who was it that wrote, uh, was it Nora Ephron that wrote When Harry Met Sally? And... Uh, which is a great movie, and and really, you know, uh, when Harry met Sally, we were talking about perfect romantic comedies the other day, and I haven't seen that in about ten years, but I'm betting it still holds up. I mean, when Harry met Sally was really, really good, a, a very, very, very good film in a lot of ways. But the but Billy Crystal has a line in When Harry met Sally when he's talking to Meg Ryan, and he says, he says, you're the worst kind of woman. He says, you're a high maintenance woman who thinks you're low maintenance. Uh, and we all know people like that. We all know women. I suppose there are guys like this too, but we all know women who believe themselves. To be low maintenance, but in reality, it's like one, it's just like the one stupid thing after another you have to cater to or, 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 or take care of, or the, the, the things that you have to sort of structure yourself around. Uh, and she sounds a little bit like that. So, Meanwhile, a blind dad spanks his daughter and her boyfriend over a $5,000 cell phone bill. James Pitt grabbed his 20-year-old daughter, spanked her and her boyfriend in a dispute over the cell phone bill. Apparently, this uh, man works for a uh, blind foundation that helps the blind people become more independent. They say it's too early whether or not he'll be fired from his job. Uh, apparently, uh, investigators say Phipps spanked his daughter repeatedly with his hand and the boyfriend as well in a dispute escalating in his home. It's got to be a little embarrassing if a blind guy is able to get a hold of you and give you a good paddling. Come over here so I can spank you. <laughs> the daughter then went upstairs to call her boyfriend, and another scuffle broke out after the dad ran up the stairs and grabbed her again to continue the spanking. Wait, so a blind guy was able to chase her. I'm not trying to knock the blind, but well, I mean... He, his job is to help the blind live more independently. Well, so he is a living, shining example. He is, a, he is an embodiment of what he preaches, Tim. He He's was... like a graduation speaker for your high school. <laughs> Here's the blind man who spanked his daughter over cell phone bill. <laughs> the blind guy. Don't be like my daughter. The blind guy who's able to chase you upstairs and beat your ass. All right. He is, a, he is an inspiration to all of us. He's charged with domestic violence. Okay. But with, he's, charged with, he's charged with domestic violence. Uh, there's a second charge of being uh, perversely funny. Here's Tim Riley. Uh, best friends, actors Matt Damon and Ben Affleck are making baby news. Damon's wife, Lucinia, gave birth to the couple's second daughter Wednesday. Now, we don't know if the daughter's name is Wednesday or she gave birth That's on Wednesday. poorly written copy. It is. Uh, oh, no, I'm sorry. The infant girl's name is Gia, kind of like a Carmen Gia. Uh, Damon is a uh, stepfather to Luciano's 10-year-old daughter from a previous marriage. Meanwhile, oh, <laughs> Meanwhile, Damon's friend and co-star Ben Affleck... Was this written by KGW? ...has baby news of his own. Uh-huh. His wife, anchor uh, Jennifer Garner, announced they're expecting their second child. No word on uh, when she is due... Affleck and Gardner have a daughter, Violet, 
who was born in 2005. Then Angel, the abandoned dog, is credited for rescuing six kittens. You've heard about the man biting the dog, but about a dog saving cats. Well, a 10-year-old dog that had been turned over to the Nevada Humane Society shelter in Reno is being credited for rescuing six abandoned kittens. The shelter director said it happened Monday when uh, the two-year-old uh, boxer mix named Angel was on a walk with a pair of volunteers, Frank Gomez and his nine-year-old uh, stepson, Joel. They were walking on a hot day when temperatures were in the 90s when the dog became obsessed with something in the woods. When he refused to move on, Gomez uh, investigated and discovered a box full of adorable kittens. They were frightened and hungry. One of the abandoned kittens escaped before the shelter staff was summoned to the scene, but Angel tracked it down, and Gomez handed it over for safety. I was too late on the draw with this. I was desperately looking for this. <laughs> uh, you know, the, rescued kitten music. But those stories, rescued kittens are, are Ted Kennedy. And the, uh, you hear those stories every now and again, and the, the interesting thing about it is that they never do the follow-up. Like, it's always just the, it's always the initial story where it's like, this tiger in a zoo has adopted this bucket of baby chickens or whatever and so it's like and so they show like a tiger right and then he's surrounded by like little tiny fluffy yellow chicks uh and and then like they never do the follow-up where like the guy comes to work the next day and then the whole floor of the cage is just littered with feathers and feet uh, so i mean that's i'm just saying it seems like this is only they only do half the reporting i've got three things here i've yeah. got uh let's see i've got a story about how do i put this i've got i've got maybe the weirdest Violent story we're going to have all day. So I got that. A story of violence that is both... Everybody loves violence. Well, there's that. Uh, let's see. I got an amusing email sent to me from PDX Airport today. Uh, and I got a uh, I got a terrifying but funny story about a spider. Hmm. Is, the, is the PDX Airport one going to make me mad? Uh, no. Well, you're flying tomorrow. This mm -hmm. won't make you mad. I'll, okay, I'll do this one and I'll, I'll do the uh, airport one, the spider one. Then we'll do more news. Then Jim Roop. Then we'll talk about this. Uh, then we'll do this uh, story of hilarious violence uh, that comes to us from the BBC News. Uh, let's see. Uh, airport one first. Rick, my wife, my daughter, and I are going to San Francisco today. This was sent to me this morning around 8 o'clock. I listened to Blood Rock and sang it while riding on the parking shuttle bus. My wife kept telling me to stop, but I could only smile. Then we went to Gustav's. What were my choices for bread, Rick? White wheat sourdough English muffin. They forgot to say bagel. They had bagels, Rick. I was watching people eat bagels all around me. I almost wanted to call him on it, but I didn't want to be that guy that asked about bagels and then didn't order one. Anyway, best show ever, Nelson at the PDX Airport, Gustav's. So there you go. So they listed off white wheat sourdough English muffin. You know, what, what are my choices for bread? And she said, white wheat sourdough English muffin bagel. See, but imagine if it was just white. Cause he white wheat sourdough English muffin? You can't stop. And, they, and apparently the guy said it in just that order. He said, this is what he says. We went to Gustav's. What were my choices for bread? White wheat sourdough English muffin. It's all, I wonder if they were doing it to screw with him. Doesn't that, I mean, I, don't I wonder how many people have actually come, went, gone to uh, Gustav's and asked. I was just going to say, I mean, not to overstate the power of us, but I mean, you know. We don't have a lot of power. I mean, I mean, we, 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 this is, I mean, I am Oregon Entertainer of the Year three years in a row. Not uh, anybody gets that. Title. I mean, really, and let's not underestimate the clout that comes with such a title. So, white wheat sourdough English muffin, I, because then it must have been bugging him for the rest of the thing. <laughs> if you were a waiter who was maybe uh, just feeling like you wanted to screw with somebody, or maybe woke up on the wrong side of the world that day, that might be a good way. Because wouldn't you think, if you're working at Gustav's and you're a waiter, and some guy comes in and says, hey, uh, <laughs> What are my choices for bread? 
wouldn't you think the waiter immediately said, goes, oh, Jesus. Another one. Not this again. White wheat sourdough English muffin. <laughs> See? You, just, that's wrong. You know, <laughs> it would be great if they just looped that and kept playing it instead of Muzak in the restaurant. Maybe subliminally, though. Maybe put it in backward. People, like, I don't know. I have this craving for starch. Um, the, I need carbs. I don't know why. So, but I wonder if maybe, he, you know, the, the, I'm not saying this, anything about this email or Nelson. I'm sure he's a nice guy. But, I mean, if you're in there, you know, they must have gotten some, you know, tool that goes in and goes, Hey, uh, hey, waiter. Hey, uh, what are my choices for bread? <laughs> and then the waiter must just be like, oh, Christ, I wish I'd learned to type. I wish I was a Kelly girl. Oh, I wish I had any other job. I wish I was working in a sewer. Um, the, you know, the, the, so if you get that, you know, maybe a couple times a shift every day. Because and the thing is, you get people, you, you know, constantly cycling through there. That might get into you enough to that you just decide to start screwing back a little bit. Like, you know, what are my choices for bread? White wheat sourdough bagel. It, you know, just leave a little pause, kind of like a B I G O kind of a thing. Uh, and then, and then you just get to watch the customer and just sit there and writhe in discomfort, as this guy clearly did. The best part is how he says, "I know they have bagels. I was watching people eat bagels all around me." And that he almost wanted to ask about a bagel, but then realized he would be asking about it and not, not ordering it. So, uh, here's what, not to be all about us, but at some point, if there are other people who've had this experience at Gustav's, uh, you know, where you've asked about their choices for bread, or you've been told what their choices for bread are, I'd like to hear about that. So if anybody else, uh, if anybody else knows, and then eventually, we have to at some point just break down and call Gustav's, don't you think? Mm-hmm. I think we have to, to ring him up and... How about if somehow we managed to have all the diners ask the question at once? Where the, everybody uh-huh. like stood up and kind of an I am, I am Spartacus kind of a thing. What are our choices for bread? Like, oh God, like that's so creepy. Sort of. And Richie can do the video. It's sort of like a sort of like a Greek chorus in a bakery. Lenny, don't be a schmuck. I think that's a great advertising campaign for the sales department to look in. Well, you know what? We know somebody who is a copywriter for Gustav's, and I keep telling him, like, you ought to pitch this to them, man. Mm-hmm. Pitch this to them as some kind of viral marketing. It could be like the new I want my baby back, baby back, baby back thing. Mm-hmm. All right. The spider email is going to have to wait. We're going to have Why? to We're going to have to put the insect aside for now. Ah! Let's welcome now to the Rick Everson Show from Los Angeles, CNN Radio Correspondent. I know it's not an insect. James Roop, hello, sir. Howdy. How are you doing, brother? I'm doing all right. How's your California day? It's beautiful. All right. It's beautiful, man. <laughs> yeah. All right. Wish uh, I had a gun. Moving on. Uh, well, you know, that's that scene from Pat. <laughs> I know, I know. Hey, uh, have you seen Tropic Thunder? No, my son saw it the other day. It said it was really funny. I did not care for it. I know that it's a little bit, it's kind of a polarizing movie, but half the building has uh, seen it here. And of the half of the people uh, in this building who've seen it, about half liked it, about half didn't. So, um, and, and people whose opinions I respect are on both sides of the equation. Now, um, what did you not like about it? Uh, the, well, I'll give you the bottom line answer, then a slightly bigger answer. Then we'll talk about this uh, the story. The bottom line answer to me is I just didn't laugh. And, I mean, it's a comedy, and you either laugh or you There's a couple times I chuckled, but, you know, I was telling Sarah about this. There's a few times I laughed, but thinking back on it, I can't remember what those times were. Like, I didn't come out of there quoting a line or anything. You know, you think about you go, there's that one funny moment where, and I know that I laughed a few times, but I can't really remember what any of the laugh lines were. It, it's just sort of, like, I vaguely remember being amused at certain points, but I don't really remember why. Um, this is weird, you know, and then there's a the whole thing about uh, uh, Robert Downey Jr., you know, playing a black man and whatever. Uh, the, the, the sort of weird thing about that movie is the only part of the movie that really feels real 
is Robert Downey Jr., which is, I guess, a credit to him as an actor and really an indication of how bad they are. I think if there was not for that little scandal, I don't think anybody really talking about it. It reminds me of Austin Powers. It's like Austin Powers makes a war film. And I know maybe for some people that's fine. That's what it felt like to me. The, the slightly longer answer is this, that... Um, you know, the movie is, I think, supposed to be a satire of the Hollywood system, or they're supposed to be doing it parodying uh, spoiled actors or deconstructing sort of the overblown nature of certain film productions like Apocalypse Now and whatever. But I think for a satire to be effective, you got to have real targets. You know, it's like, as somebody once said to me, I had a screenwriter friend tell me this one time. He said, he said the, the smartest thing that I never really thought about this. He said, you could never write a parody of Gilligan's Island. Like, you couldn't do a, a, a you know, like a, sta a satire of Gilligan's Island because the, the characters are, it's just a satire to begin with, right? The characters are already so ludicrous. There's no way to parody that. Okay. And that is my thing with Tropic Thunder. If you see a movie like The Player with Tim Robbins, which I always go back to because it may be the definitive Hollywood satire, or if you watch, um, uh, uh, what is it, uh, Sunset Boulevard? is another one, which is just Sunset Boulevard is probably the most merciless attack on Hollywood that's ever been put on film. I mean, or Network by Patty Chayefsky. Mm -hmm. Those are all real excoriating and often hilarious dissections of the Hollywood system or of the celebrity system or of the media. But the reason they work is because they spend the first however long of the film creating real, believable targets, and then they spend the rest of the movie just blowing those targets into little pieces. Do you know what I mean? Gotcha. Where they establish these characters... And then they spend the rest of the movie shredding the characters into pulp. And that's what makes it for a satisfying satire. With Tropic Thunder... Uh, well, the, you can say the same thing about Citizen Kane. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Uh, and, and with Tropic Thunder, uh, none of the characters are believable. In, and I know it's a comedy, but none of the characters are believable in any way. They're all so overdone and overblown from the beginning that it is impossible to really feel like the satire has any sting. You know what I mean? It's just the, the, the satire can never land a punch because there's never a real target there. And I know it sounds like I'm overthinking it, but if you're going to make something that is a satire, you got to do it right. You, you can't screw that up because otherwise it just ends up being a series of cliches strung together. And again, the bottom line thing is I just didn't laugh. It just wasn't funny. And I'll forgive almost anything if I laugh. I will forgive the dumbest movie, the worst jokes, the most obvious punchlines. You know, you go back to Young Frankenstein, walk this way. I mean... I'll forgive any of that if the movie makes me laugh, and it just didn't make me laugh. So yeah, my son said that the, with him, he he's 17, so he liked it. Right. But he said he said um, who's the guy? Ben Stiller. Right. It's the same guy he always plays. Mm-hmm. And uh, the only the only good character he said was the Robert Downey yeah. Jr. character, just because it was an interesting concept. It was Robert Downey Jr. An American playing an Australian who was playing an African American. And I got to tell you, there are big stretches of that movie where you have to remind yourself, wait a minute, this is this is this is a white guy, uh, you know, because you know, again, it's Robert Downey Jr. playing an Australian actor playing uh, a black guy, and you forget about it because he just, and it's not just makeup, uh, because uh, you know, at the, at the, you know, you realize as the film goes on that I mean, it really, it's like it's it's he's it's just voice and just sort of subtle physical mannerisms to convey a different character. And Robert Downey Jr., he's gold, man. He is fantastic. I've in this liked film. him ever since, um, what's that, uh, Zero? What is that? Less, Less than, than zero. zero. Less than I Zero. That. That's, that was my first. You know, I, the, um, the uh, uh, Rodney Dangerfield film. Back to was, School. Yeah, was okay. Yeah. Uh, it was, was goofy in that, but I thought 
to me, he became an actor in less than zero. Less than Robert Downey Jr. is frequently the best thing about bad movies. Yeah. Uh, for me, I don't really care for less than zero as a movie, but he is really, really good. Uh, see also Chaplin, and I didn't really care for Chaplin as a whole film, as a as a as a whole as a work. It didn't really uh, resonate with me the way I think it was supposed to, but he was fantastic. Yep, I agree. So even in a bad movie, you can count on Robert Downey Jr. to really to really sell it. So uh, anyway, I mean, I guess it's worth seeing because people are talking about it. It's the number one movie, which is the reason I kind of went to see it. I wanted to you know see what the, the hype was about, and he's good. Uh, but uh, you know, for me, it, you know, it just it felt like it felt like sort of a bunch of rejected gags from a Farrelly Brothers film. <laughs> You know what I mean? Like I'll, they took a bunch I'll of wait till it comes to cable. Bunch of stuff that wasn't quite good enough for something about Mary, and it went into a bag, and then they just threw it on the screen and it ran. And you're right, Ben Stiller plays the same smug, smirky, unlikable character that he plays in it. Let me ask you this, and I hate to be getting off into a thing about Ben Stiller again because I've done it like a hundred times this week. Has anybody ever seen a Ben Stiller, ben Stiller in a movie? in which you felt like you were watching a real person. No, ever, never, never. Never. Not even in Permanent Midnight. That's the one I was thinking of. I mean, even in Permanent Midnight, I felt like... I, He's an actor playing a part. Yeah, it's like yeah. I could see through it to the bottom. I, I have never, and I don't mean like everybody has to dissolve into the role like Robert De Niro, but I would occasionally not... I would occasionally like to watch a movie and not feel like, hey, there's Ben Stiller doing his hey, thing. Hey, if I'm going to pay 10 bucks, they better dissolve into the character. <laughs> Seriously. If I'm going to pay 10 bucks, you're going to dance for yeah, me. That's right. Uh, so, um, you know, and uh, anyway, whatever. And uh, blah, blah, blah. And, you know, and there's that uh, whole... I'm not a big fan of Ben Stiller. No, he bugs the hell out of me. Yeah. Uh, well, I don't even... Hey, uh, let's talk I about like somebody... Dad, though. Somebody else uh, of whom you're not a big fan. That is Orenthal James Simpson. <laughs> So I'd kind of forgotten about this. Um, so <laughs> you've been dreading it. So when does this start, uh, and how long are you going to be stuck in Vegas? September 8th is when jury selection begins. That's when the trial begins. Right. The trial starts with jury selection. It's supposed to only go until the judge has it slated to go until uh, October 17th because she has other commitments. I, I I would be surprised if it gets that far, honestly. Um I think it may go three, maybe four weeks. Depends on how long jury selection takes. To seat a jury for a kidnapping case should take three to four days. This may take a week and a half, and then uh, two, three weeks because there's only two defendants now. Right. And the other guy's trying to get a delay. That ain't going to happen. So he may he may cut a deal before the trial begins, just so he's not sitting at the same table as Simpson. Um, so it may just be Simpson by the time September 8th rolls around, which means in two weeks I can be home again. I love the idea of him just sitting at a table, just bereft of friends, lawyers, just sitting in a room by himself, sitting at a card table, just waiting for the judge to figure out. So uh, so, you, so you're saying kind of top to bottom, this could move a lot faster than... than... Yeah, it's it's a kidnapping case. And it's, it, I mean, the, the, the audio, the video, it's all pretty incriminating. Um, and in Nevada... If you if you tell somebody they cannot leave a room, that's kidnapping in Nevada. So what is let's just say, and for me it's a best case scenario. What well, in a best case scenario for me, uh, what could he get? Uh, you know I'm not really sure because there are twelve counts. Um, I'm not exactly sure if the kidnapping case could get him some serious prison time. But I mean, that, that's what I, basically. So you, it's like a pass-fail thing. You're either going to get hard time or not. Yeah, you, yeah. I, I honestly think he'll get something out of this. Uh, probably maybe five to fifteen, wow. something like that. Which means he'll serve five. But I mean, really, just the idea of O.J. Simpson going to prison. I hate to make too much of it. Uh, 
Although, I, you know, I don't. Screw that. I don't hate tomato. It's what I do. I make too much of small things. I um, cannot possibly believe after the, in the preliminary. I was surprised at the preliminary that um, the, the, the commissioner kicked it up to federal, kicked it up to district court. Right. All 11 counts. So that tells me some of this stuff's going to stick, and it's going to stick hard. So, I mean... I hate to start, uh, you know, just preemptively talking about all of this or prematurely talking about all of this, but I, you know, I'm, obs- I, I won't say I'm obsessed, but I think a lot about the O.J. Simpson case, and I think, I think America's kind of moved on, but I think about it a lot because, as I've always said, it's such a microcosm of like every conceivable issue in this country: black, white, rich, poor, citizen, cop, male, female, uh, you know, celebrity, non. I mean, it's just it's. It is every single thing in this country rolled up into one case, probably more than any other case that we've ever had. Well, that's why when it starts, and because it's the only thing going on right now, it's going to be huge. And, I mean, can you imagine this sort of weird national psychological reaction we're all going to have if O.J. does end up going to prison for any amount of time? I mean, in some people, that is just going to scratch the deepest mental itch. You know, if he doesn't or does. No, if he does, I mean, because there's, you know, let's be honest, there's a whole lot of people who think he ought to be uh, behind bars or worse right now. And I think the O.J. Simpson case, it is sort of like somebody described the JFK shooting this way. It's like a missing tooth and you kind of keep running your tongue up there trying to figure it out. And I think with O.J., I think people still have this residual like tickle in the back of their brain that things just didn't go right. And I'm not saying that's the case. I'm not saying it's not. The, The system did what the system does. But a lot of people feel... Obviously, like he should have gotten something, uh, and not not like a, and you know not some business where he has to just pay over some cash. So if OJ ends up, as they would say in the wire, going to jail behind this, uh, it is. Uh, I'm gonna I'd be curious to see what the public reaction is to that, just in terms of how what people say, how people talk about it. You know, what kind of comments people make when that happens. That's going to be a really unique window into the American psyche if that happens. Yeah. Uh, so. But I don't know that it, that, that kind of you, – you'll get a real good cross-section of what America's thinking from Las Vegas. If I hit the streets right after if – he, if he's convicted and uh, I hit the streets in Las Vegas and ask, I don't think you'll get too many people that even care about it. Yeah, maybe not. I think I'd have to come back here to ask. L.A. would, would tell me. Yeah. You know what it what it really means. All right. Well, uh, who knows? We'll find out. Obviously, within the next couple of months, what's going to happen here. But it depends on the defense that um, it depends on on the defenses that that's mounted. It depends on how aggressive, without being idiotic, the prosecution gets. Right. Right. Just one of those things on which I dwell. Uh, all right. Uh, hey, hey, real quickly before we go, yep. uh, you know, I was thinking about something. Uh, you know, I gave, I was talking to you a few weeks ago, and I it was telling me that idea I had where somebody ought to do a follow up on where are the Manson family kids. Yeah, I tried that. Did I tell you? No. I even tracked down, and I forgot his name. Because I was going to say the 40th anniversary is next year. Yeah. Uh, I forgot the kid's name. He was in uh, somewhere in Wisconsin. Really? And But he has not, and he's working at some, uh, some, uh, He's working at a dock or something, or right. some sort of delivery place, and, right. and I've not been able to get a hold of him. But I did track him to that, and it's ah oh, man, I, I wish I would have that now. I don't now. I don't remember uh, the guy's name. But I mean, but, but you were. But, but, but it's it's one of the women that were at the original the Spawn Ranch or whatever Spawn Ranch, and her name is Kathy. Because I was talking, just for people who didn't hear it, I was talking about the fact that, and you see, if you read Helter Skelter, uh, you can see this whole, in that middle section where the pictures are, there's a picture of all these little kids, and they were the kids that were fathered 
maybe by Manson, maybe by the other guys there, but they were born to the to the Manson girls, and they lived at the ranch. And then, of course, when all the S went down, the man came in and sort of took all the kids and, and put them out in foster homes, some, you know, usually with different names. And then there was this whole group of kids growing up who were the kids of the Manson family who might not even know it. And I, my whole thing is, where are they? Who are they? Do they even know that they came from the Manson family? Well, this one admitted that he was... Uh... Because uh, it was the only reason why I tracked him down is because I saw an interview on YouTube from years ago that uh, Harvey Levin did right. with this guy, and so I tracked him down to this town because he was his his grandparents, his uh, maternal grandparents took him, and uh, it, it just kind of went from there. And did they tell him at a certain age, like, "Hey, you were a Manson kid"? Yeah, I think he knew it. He was like he was like ten years old or something. Wow. Um, when. Uh, when it happened, uh. but uh, I, well, I can't remember. Well, in any event, I'm just uh, it's just uh, it's one of those that that's another one of those things that may, I'm not the only one, but that there's a small there's a small slice of people who who think about stuff like that, and I am I am that guy. So, all right. Well, in any event, um, all right, are you on tomorrow, sir? Uh, no, I'm not on tomorrow. All right. Well, then uh, then I mourn our uh, <laughs> I mourn our lack of communication already. All I'll right. be here on Monday. All right. We'll talk to you then. Have a good weekend, sir. All right, bud. There you go. CNN Radio correspondent James Roop. All right. Uh, Tim Riley, uh, let's take a break. You come back. More news for us? Yes, yes. That's fantastic. I can't even begin to convey how fantastic it is. It is fantastic beyond all explanation or explication. So is this song, by the way. Well, I'm social distortion in the rotator lately. I like it. Are you cherry-picking rotators? No, sir. Good for you. I love this song. All right, back after this. It is the Rick Emerson Radio Program still to come. Top five Guns N' Roses songs you don't hear on the radio. Uh, we'll talk to Chris Paddock. More from Tim Riley. And it's high concept Thursday. Stay there. It's the Rick Emerson Radio Show. It's the Rick Emerson Radio Program. Here's a little window on what was happening during the break. Uh, Sarah was playing me this great song uh, from Gossip Girl. Uh, that was uh, it's by the Piercers, and it's a great song. And you said they're using it in the Dexter season three trailer. Yes, and it's so creepy because it's Dexter. Yeah. You know, it's like all the tables are trying to cover themselves with blood and everything, and and this creepy song playing in the background. And he said the song. Well, let me see if I can play it. I'll play a little bit of it, then we'll do some more news. Uh, but I was just saying that uh, you know, for me. Uh, you know, the, the thing for me is always trying to find the next great band, you know, that what is the next great artist? And this is, uh, this is not a thing we have time to talk about now, so don't call about it. But I, because uh, that is, takes, we should do a whole segment on that someday. Probably not now. Uh, that's like I was, when I found that band Agent 51 a while back, and that album came out a couple years ago, but it just sort of vanished without a trace, and I forget how I even found it. I think it was one of those, like, people who like blank also like blank. And like, I got three of those in, and then I found this Agent 51 band. But I'm always looking for, like, the next great thing where you listen to it and go, wow, like that is, this is mind-blowing. Um, and uh, it's funny, I was, uh, when I was a, a baby girl with Joni a while back, um, she was playing some great song. And it's, you Joni know. Joni has fantastic music taste. She really does. I don't, she and I don't mesh entirely. A little too much Rufus Wainwright for my taste. Uh, but anyone's uh, taste. Here's the funny thing, is I said that just so you would say that. Um, and, you know, I know I'll get an email about it later. You, you shut up! Uh, but she, some great song came on the radio. And I said, like, 
You know, because don't you, don't you live in fear a little bit of like becoming the old person who's like, well, that's all well and good, but I'll just uh, I'll just stick with my poison records. Mm. You know, I don't, get... I don't like Rufus Wainwright. <laughs> I mean, don't get me wrong. I mean, I love. It's like we went to L.A. Guns and Faster Pussycat last night, which was great. It was a great time. I would never stop listening to or disown the music that I listened to in the past ever. Uh, you know, it doesn't matter. I'm not going to embarrass by it. I'm not going to quit. But, but at the same time, you don't want to become the guy where like it's, you know. Like in uh, The Big Chill, which is a really great movie. I love the movie The Big Chill. It really is beautiful. I know a lot of people don't like it. Uh, but I think The Big Chill is a really, really great film. And um, But there is that moment that sort of – there's the there's that moment in The Big Chill, and it's the that's what I don't want to be moment. And I'm not saying it's just baby boomers because I've heard a distressing number of people in my own generation start to talk like this. But there's that moment in The, in the uh, Big Chill when they're listening to The Temptations. And I think uh, Jeff Goldblum's character – says, because Kevin Klein puts the Temptations record on, and Jeff Goldblum's character says, uh, well, don't you have any uh, any other music, like, from this decade? And Kevin Klein's character says, there is no other music, not in this house. And it's like, you don't ever want to be that guy. You don't want to be that dude. There's no music made past my childhood, which is good. All the kids now in their rock and roll, it's crap. Not like when I was a kid. That was music. You don't ever want to be that. And again, I would never, I would never be like a lot of people and turn my nose up at the stuff I listened to when I was younger. But, you know, man, I was, man, can I just tell you, I saw the most embarrassing thing, and I know it just sounds like a big psychoanalysis session now, but I saw the most embarrassing thing the other day. It was a, uh, a an article, some blog that some ass had written, and it was on Dig, and it was on the front page. It was on, like, the little column, which means that a bunch of people had recommended it. A bunch of people had read this article and given it a thumbs up, because that's sort of a groupthink kind of a site where, like, articles are ranked, and then the most popular articles show up at the top. It was an article that obviously a lot of people had liked. And it was an article written by a guy who I think was 34, which is just a year younger than I am. And the article was called, Generation Y Has No Taste. And it was this just this, this jackass article where some Gen Xer was right. He wrote this whole article about, yes, how Generation X was the last generation to have good taste in things. And that Generation Y just didn't have any. They didn't know what good music was. And all of their television shows were... Where, you know, we're crap, and it's not like Generation X with our Pearl Jam and how we were so much better. And it's like I just wanted to reach to the monitor and find the guy who wrote the article and beat him to death with my bare hands. I mean, sometimes music isn't any worse. You're just old. So maybe you're rich, you can find him. God damn. I mean, it made me so angry. And we'll so bring him over here and you can strangle him in the parking lot. That would be really satisfying. You know, uh, you know, it, it, it's like I saw a bumper sticker the other day. And the bumper sticker, I swear to God, it was on Hawthorne, of course. And there was a bumper sticker that said... You're not getting old. The music just sucks. That's a lie. You're just getting old. And I'm including myself in that. So I know that it sounds like a small thing to get upset about. But these are the things that matter. And I think I speak for all of us and the listeners when I say music, movies, art, these things are important. These things are what make life worth living. And so the idea that you get to some point where your brain just shuts off and you're not going to listen to anything new, I just, I live in fear of that. So anyway, so I was at the baby girl and Joni's playing the song. And I was like, wow, what is that? And she said, oh, it's this band Calexico. And I said, who is that? And it's like, and it was then actually with Iron and Wine. And it was some Iron and Wine Calexico song. And it was just beautiful. And I went home and I bought the record and I listened to it and it's great. And man, that's what, those are the moments that make life worth living. So if you ever find yourself saying something like these, this, this music today, it's not as good as when I was, just kill yourself. Just save us all the trouble of listening to your stupid old wrinkled ass wine. And yes, I am directing that at people in my own generation. Kill yourself. Here's Tim Riley. Well, all right. Are we not going to play the song anymore? Oh, we I'm sorry. Oh, we were going we to play, play the song. We'll play it out of the news in the break. Yeah. We'll play the song that prompted this whole What's thing. What's going so. on here? I'm sorry. I don't mean to be having a big breakdown about it. It just, 
You know, seeing Faster Pussycat last night. Oh, I see. Which was really good. And it, don't get me wrong, it was great. I still love those songs. But as I told Sarah, the thing when you go to see one of those sort of nostalgia shows, which is what it is, and I have no illusions about that. You know, it's like, uh, you know, nostalgia shows, Tim. And I mean, you, you know, you and I, you know, have lived in some of the same eras together. Nostalgia shows at one point were like Chuck Berry, right? Yeah. Uh, you know, it was like a Ricky Nelson talked about the Garden Party, you know, where they would show, they, you know, where all these 50s bands, you know, the coasters would show up and sing or whatever. And they would get like, you know, Murray the K is going to be here to introduce Paul Revere and the Raiders or whatever. Nothing wrong with that. Last night, Faster Pussycat, Bang Tango, LA Guns. That's a nostalgia show. There is nothing inherently wrong with nostalgia. But as I told Sarah, it is a mixed bag because you get the cool people watching, where there's like her hot friend Lisa wearing a tight T-shirt. That's great. Some kids were there because maybe, you know, maybe it's kitschy or maybe they, you know, they like the music. And then there's, you know, there's whoever. I'm there and Sarah's there. But you do see any number of people who are there, and it's clear that they just never moved on. And, you know, it's not like you have to abandon it, but it's like, you know, as I said, the other is like 4,000 records put out every month. There's going to be something you like. Just take a freaking chance. You know, otherwise you might as well just seal yourself in some kind of musical sarcophagus and just, you know, suffocate. They so. need a good shaking. That's what they need, Tim. All right, here's Tim Riley. Well, vegetable oil is now being used for cleaning up contaminated groundwater. The U.S. Department of Energy is testing vegetable oil at Sanford. They injected 2,000 gallons of vegetable oil mixed with 55,000 gallons of water into a well next to one of the nuclear reactors. Now, these reactors once produced plutonium to make the world safe during the Cold War. This uh, testing method is called biostimulation. It's meant to stimulate microbes in the soil to treat the contaminants. The scientists hope the bloom will change the water chemistry and reduce the toxic chromium to a non-toxic state. Where is this being done? Hanford. No, it's not going to work, by the way. You know how? You know, I know nothing at Hanford works. Well, might as well try it. Uh, is, I thought you said Hanford at the beginning, and then halfway through the story, I thought, maybe it's somewhere else. Maybe it's Russia. Maybe it's not my hometown. But, of course, it is my hometown. It is Hanford. This will not work. Nothing will work. That place is going to stay radioactive and poisonous, and nothing's ever going to fix that. So there. Yeah, so there, in your face, Hanford. Oh, did I tell you, though, you can now tour... Uh, I think it's uh, I think it's the B radio facility, the uh, the B radio, uh, the, whatever the, uh, the 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 nuclear plant at Hanford that created um, uh, the Hiroshima uh, plutonium. You know the Manhattan right. Project. You can now tour that reactor. You want to go do that, Tim? Seems like a thing you'd enjoy. I might, isn't it still contaminated? No. Uh, well, they claim it's not. That's probably a lie. But I mean, you know, they, they power washed it. Not gonna. <laughs> not, they gave it a good Purelling. They gave it a swiffing. Oh, you're not going to live forever. Uh, so, hey, you know, somebody sent me a thing the other day. It was a whole uh, deal about how you can now tour Chernobyl, as crazy as that seems. Not the actual plant, uh-huh. but you can tour the town of Chernobyl, which they now claim the radiation is at safe enough levels that you can go tour schoolhouses. And how great and creepy is this? You can tour schoolhouses in Chernobyl, where there was that in nuclear incident, where they say that the schoolhouses, there are still pencils and papers and, like, coffee cups untouched since 1986 because everybody had to, like, get out now. Like the big, you know, like, mist uh, air raid siren started to play, and everybody ran, and they never went back. So I don't know if I feel good about that or not, but it is that's the thing I find strangely compelling. Are you going to scratches on the door from all the pushing and shoving? <laughs> Marks on the ground from those trampled underfoot. All right. Out of my way, Vladimir, I must live. Here's Tim Riley. Never Darwin watch. Here's your speaking of. Here's your Darwin watch for uh, Thursday on the Rick Emerson show. I have a feeling some bad stuff is about to go down. Don't, don't, don't. I need all my cap. Don't, don't, don't. My parents won't let me use scissors. Don't, don't, don't. Another one bust up. 
Here's some Michigan, a shoplifting suspect who uh, ran into a discount department store at the Lansing Mall has died after being crushed in a co- trash compactor where she was hiding. <laughs> <laughs> this looks like a good spot. Nobody will find me here. <laughs> danger, danger. <sometimes. laughs> that is fantastic. Uh, they responded to a report that uh, two women sprayed a security guard with mace at TJ Maxx. One was found hiding behind a nearby trash uh, compactor. Uh, the department said the woman wouldn't say where the other woman could be found. Shortly afterwards, authorities got a call about a woman being trapped in a trash compact. The other one's hiding in the garbage disposal. Mm-hmm. Uh, the woman was pulled from the machine by rescuers and taken to the hospital where she later died. <laughs> taken to the hospital in a small tin. That's fantastic. She hid in a trash compactor. Uh, those things scare me. How did they, oh, Here's a question. How do you suppose it turned on? The other, but the other friend like leaned up against the switch. I'll just stay here. Lean, switch, crush. Uh, that's a fascinating story. First of all, I don't think I've ever seen a trash compactor in real life, except for like oh, the I one have. at the landfill. Mm-hmm. I mean, this was where like at a, a gar- like garbage trucks have the built-in well, trash compactors. Well, big department stores, have, supermarkets have them too. There's of course boxes, I guess. Yeah. Uh, I'm so, not sure if they don't recycle those anymore. I don't know. Uh, can I tell you, as a boy, maybe it's not just a boy thing, but as a boy, I was fascinated by the garbage truck and the lever the guy would pull that would compact all the trash. I would sit there, and the guy would like, uh, you know, he would just throw. It, 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 it's, it's like the coolest thing when you're a little kid, because the garbage truck pulls up, and this isn't like the kind that the kind now where it, like the hydraulics go up in the whole back of the truck tip. So this is just the back opens, and he just dumps the trash in. And then he pulls the lever, and the big metal panel comes down and goes, and it just crushes it. And that is the most fascinating thing when you're a little boy. Uh, so I used to just watch that. And, I would, and the thing is, they don't do it at every house. They compact about every third or fourth house. And I would just, he would pull, this is how empty my life was. He would pull up in front of my house, and I would sit there, and I would eagerly watch him pouring our family's trash into the back of the, the trash of the garbage truck, praying that we were the house at which he would choose to compact. Uh, so she hides in a trash compactor. But at some point in the story, somebody hit the on switch. I mean, is it possible that it, it can't possibly be triggered from within? Like, it's not a thing where it senses how full it is and turns it no, off on. I don't, no, that would be unsafe. This is, if only there was a droid on hand to have saved her. So she's there. I, in my head, I'm going to choose to believe that the friend leaned up against the switch. All right, uh, Janice, you decide in there. I'm just going to have a snooze. <laughs> How bad does the girl feel who didn't sell out her friend? She's like, no, I'm not going to tell you where she is. Her <laughs> friend's being squished by a garbage compactor. I wonder if the cops just started pressing switches. Maybe now you tell me where she is. And he starts turning them on one by one. Like electric blender. <laughs> Incinerator. <laughs> Loading dock. Shredding thing. <laughs> garbage disposal. Uh, I wonder, I mean, if, I wonder if there was like, I wonder if there was a moment where she went, wait a minute, what? Why, does the, why do the walls move? Uh, and then just sort of, ah, uh, crap. Just one moment of of realization where she just where she had the moment of perfect self assessment and awareness of exactly how dumb she is, and now she's dead, isn't it? She ruined all the recycling. Ah, <laughs> uh, all right, uh, ladies and gentlemen, that is the very definition of a Darwin watch. There you go. That's fantastic. Good for her. You know, Tim, that woman, that woman is stupid cubed.
Okay. Well, her friend must feel crushed about what happened. <laughs> uh, I love this show. All right, let's do one more. We'll take a break. It looks like uh, yes? more, more than 200,000 kids have been spanked at school, according to the last count. Here? Uh, in America. Oh. Uh, I didn't think they kids. could do that anymore. Oh, yeah, they can in a lot of states. Interesting. Uh, I bet it's in the South. It is in the South. Ah, of course. Uh, so this happens uh, all over the U.S., mostly in southern states. Corporal punishment in schools remains legal in 21 states. I'm betting almost every one of these states is it, in the South. It's or frequently used in 13. Uh, really? 13? I don't know how many southern states there are. I don't really know how. about 13. Are there? Really? Missouri, Kentucky, <laughs> Texas, Oklahoma, Arkansas, Louisiana, Mississippi, Alabama, Georgia, South Carolina, North Carolina. By the way, I heard a thing last night that Mississippi does, in fact, have the worst educational system of every state. So, and they, and I, I do believe they are the spankingest state of all. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, uh, that astounds me. I would think there would be a federal law against that at this point. I mean, I know that I know that those states are not necessarily filled with like our best and brightest to begin with. Mm-hmm. But see, but isn't that the thing? Like, so you have a school full of uh, you know miscreant kids. The idiot parents decide that the teachers ought to get to start wailing on the kids. The, the teachers do said wailing. Kids just grow up to become embittered bastards because their parents were and te- teachers were smacking them around. In addition, special education students with mental and physical disabilities are more likely to to receive corporal punishment. Oh, really? Uh-huh. You know, I don't know. We we had this question the other day. I don't know. Was some forcible cessation or whatever? James where we... Dobson is among those stopping short of calling for a full ban on paddling. Of course, I uh, I did actually read a story the other day. This was on Yahoo. Uh, so you are saying that, according to this, A, the South paddles a whole lot. B, they paddle the mentally handicapped. And I did read a story on Yahoo News that non-white students are far more likely to be uh, yes. to be hit by their teachers, mm-hmm. which should surprise nobody. Mm-hmm. So always, always remember, kids, uh, spanking does teach the lesson that if you're larger than somebody else, you can hit them all you want and get away with it. Mm-hmm. All right. There you go. Let's, uh, and hate even more. I, I lied. Let's do one more, and then we'll break. Well, let me see if I can find one here. Would you like to take calls instead? Yes, let's take calls. Let's take calls. Yes, have some. Hi, you're on the Rick Emerson Show. Hello. What's up, Rick? What's up? Well, I was going to tell you about trash compactors. Yes. Back when I lived trash in compactor. Colorado. Yeah. When I lived back in Colorado, there was a. I used to work with. Oh, can we say the? the uh, well, let's not. Let's just identify. I'm sorry. Well, I think we're talking about business. Well, mentally handicapped. You worked people. with you worked with the mentally handicapped. Right. All right. And they had these big trash bins that you throw all the trash in and right. take it to the compactor. Yes. Well, one of them tipped it over too far and it fell in, and the other one started the trash compactor. Wow! And so and the, uh, one that, the one that freaked out ran back in there screaming, "What's going on?" What was the out. What was the bottom line here? He, he compacted that big old the twelve hundred dollar trash bin. But, I mean, what happened to the guy? Well, nothing happened. Oh, the him, guy but... didn't fall in. It was just the actual the, the bin oh, that fell God. in. Yeah, oh, thank God. I was all confused. Had that been the case, you oh. would deserve a spanking. Yes. <laughs> yeah, but the thing, oh, yeah, the whole kid you did, because it's like a big... It's a crushing thing. ...kind of pound metal box that just pushes all the trash in. Yes, yes. All right, yeah, that's... Uh, those things are just... Those things are, are accidents, both hilarious and not waiting to happen. Exactly. All I right. he was dumb for climbing in there. All right, thank you. All right. Hi, you're on the Rick Emerson Show. Hello. Hey, Rick. What's up? Hey, I was going to tell you about trash compactors, too, but some of them start automatically. Okay, that would explain it. I was waiting for further explanation. That that seems dangerous. Doesn't that seem like a bad idea if you have a trash compactor that turns on by itself? Well, as somebody who delivers a lot to uh, 
uh, grocery houses and uh-huh. other big businesses. Yeah. Um, there's big, huge signs next to the, the square box that they throw all the stuff in. It says, caution, this machine may start automatically. <laughs> caution, this machine's going to give you the worst day of your life. Uh, <laughs> I guess they have sensors inside of them, and every now and then they'll just... And they know when it's full. It's sort of like an incinerator in the Willy Wonka movie. Yeah. All right. Fair enough. All right. Thank you, sir. Well, it's just automation taking over everyday American life. Uh, It's funny you should say automation taking over everyday life, Tim. Mm -hmm. This email says, Rick, you ask how the compactor turned on and did away with the thief? Remember, Linda Hamilton reached around the side of the machine and sent that metallic demon back to the awful hell from which it came. Uh, So, uh... There you go. Uh, one more. Hi, you're on the Rick Emerson Show. Hello. Also, uh, Vincent Price used it in the original Fly movie. What's up? Hey, Rick. I want to suggest the top five. You were talking about old rock music. Yes, sir. Um, um, top five words you don't hear on in rock songs anymore. Such as? Well, like, mistreater. Like, mean mistreater. Now, did you really ever hear that except in the one song? No, yeah, back in the 70s, I think a lot of those, like, macho kind of rock bands used to use that kind of... Tim, do you remember a lot of uh, rock songs in the 70s using the word mistreater? Not a pan. Can you give us another example, sir? I'm a little fuzzy on the whole thing. No, I can't. Well, okay, so it's really a top one. You want to hear about a weird dream I had a couple nights ago? No. No, no. You didn't deliver on the last offer. (laughs) No, no, yeah, because the precedent for this call was not good. This is really good. You got to... I'm going to give you 15 seconds. Okay, I, I met up with this lady. I don't know who she was on the street, and she was uh, uh, she was pushing a stroller, but the baby wasn't born. It was like incubating in like a blue ice bag. Isn't that weird? And then I was like trying to hit on her. Okay. Like, you, all right, that's what she You pulled it out at the end with trying to hit on her. All right, thank you. Okay. All right, let's take a break. Oh, I'm sorry. Let's take a break here. I'll be back after this. Uh, oh, I'm all placing a break with this little love. So this is the song that triggered the whole uh, conversation, but I always find in the next great I'm band. I'm going to see and... these guys this Saturday in New York. That's right. It's a plan where you're going to be there. So this is yeah. uh, this is uh, from Gossip Girl. I guess it's also playing the season three trailer for Dexter. This is The Pierces. i got to wait for this to, uh, I should have let this buffer in advance. This is The Pierces, and this is a great little creepy song. We'll play a little bit of this called Secret, right here on The Rick Emerson Show. Can you keep this with this one you save? Better lock it in your pocket, taking this one. the Rick Emerson radio program, an excursion into whimsy. Uh, it's 503-733-2970. Uh, all right. Coming up later on in the hour, we will uh, do today's top five. Maybe with Christopher Paddock, should he choose to favor us with uh, his continued presence. 
Top five Guns N' Roses songs you probably want to hear on the radio, as compiled by the good uh, folks in Appetite for Deception, uh, the world's premier Guns N' Roses tribute band. Uh, let's see, what else we got coming up? Uh, more of Tim Riley later on. It is uh, High Concept uh, Thursday. And let's see, don't forget tomorrow, 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 in the uh, first hour tomorrow, we're going to be talking to uh, Weird Al Yankovic. Uh, so that'll be tomorrow. Weird Al Yankovic joining us on the Rick Emerson program. Let's see what else. Well, some other stuff. All right. Uh, and so forth. And this is all true. Let's now welcome to the Rick Emerson Show, uh, KUFO program director and all-around cool guy, Chris Paddock. Hello, sir. Thank you. Hi there. Hi. How are you doing? Uh, Didn't see you at Faster Pussycat last night. I was not at the Faster Pussycat Saw your big ass banners everywhere. Didn't see they were, you. I was not there. I was not representing. I, I'm trying to figure out what I, I ate a pork chop and some mac and cheese alone uh, last night. This That's a little glimpse like, wow. into my world. Very sad. Oh, wow, you're the best guy ever. And um, you let me understand. I, this. I watched Olympics in the background. I had that going. Hold on, on. let me understand. And this. I think Superbad was on too. You, you, and I surfed the internet. You, you sat and ate macaroni and cheese alone with the Olympics going on in another room while surfing the internet by yourself, as opposed to enjoying the warm uh, embrace mm-hmm. the, to the bosoms of your coworkers, figurative bosoms. Right. You could have, you could have come and we could have all hung out. We could have had beer. I know we could have done that, you and I should have. You could down with us. I would have totally have done that if uh, maybe I was invited. I don't know. Maybe don't know. we invited. had the event invited. and didn't invite us. Oh, they <laughs> invited. I walked in like a hundred back at the old uh, paddock residence. I'll tell you that. Invited. I walk in as a hundred banners that say KUFO uh, in huge letters. I should have been there. I was wallowing. Um, I had raw sewage uh, pour out in my basement over the weekend, and I like just pouring, have been. I've been very depressed about it. Is that like pouring out a, a little liquor and pour out a little sewage. For the boys yeah, upstate. Yeah, actual sewage. I have uh, four college girls living in my home that I'm renting out back in Arizona, and uh, they are living in a uh, sewage-infested uh, basement. That's like the least sexy porn ever made. I got four college girls in my home, and it's filled with sewage. It's the truth. All right. Well, truth okay. Hurts. All yeah. right, then. Well, well we that just... was depressing. Well, it was a good time. Oh, oh, I missed it and I'm bummed. I know you're yeah, you're probably not a faster pussycat fan now. Probably weren't back then. Uh, I, liked bathroom wall. It's about it. Yeah, I gotta tell you, yeah. it was a cultural artifact. Uh, you know, they, it was a, it was an interesting show. I I kind of got there late, uh, and I didn't I didn't see um, I didn't Bang Tango. I guess canceled. Oh, because you know they're so busy. Yeah, they, they've got a lot of state fairs that they uh, have to. Uh, so Bang play. Tango didn't. Uh, there was a, there was a bustling uh, can collecting business apparently happening somewhere else in Southeast <laughs> Portland. Uh, so they uh, so Bang Tango didn't show up. L.A. Guns was there, and I guess the weird thing is, it's, I guess it's a family affair at this point, because Tracy Guns has now got his kid in the band with him. What? So it's like Tracy Guns and like son of Tracy Guns, and then like some other dudes, and they're doing the L.A. Guns thing, which is kind of cool. I mean, there's you know, certain I, there's worse ways to grow up than to be playing, you know, on stage with, with Tracy Guns, I suppose. Yeah. Uh, so I'm not actually not like a big L.A. Guns fan. So I showed up sort of, I showed up just in time to uh, to meet some listeners, hang out, and uh, to see Faster Pussycat, who sounded great. But it's like, it's not even that they looked bad, they just looked weird and scary, like it was a full-on, like, Teutonic kind of a, like the bass player, like the big Condoleezza Rice black leather trench coat, yeah. and like the Colonel Clink hat. Oh, wow. Um, Tamey, uh, or Timey Down. I'm not going to say Timey Down, even if it's correct, because A, it's stupid, and B, I've been saying Tamey Down for like 20 years. So Tamey Down Tamey Down. Out. And, you know, a lot of those guys, uh, you know, they, they get kind of the weird, bleachy, emaciated thing as they sort of get older. You know, they're trying yeah. to hold on. Yeah. He's going a whole different way. He's uh, kind of normal body, big fat face. Um, and then just on the right cheek, he has, what's that, that stuff that the football players paint like underneath yeah, their yeah, eyes? Yeah, yeah. But it's like two big stripes of that 
only across the that's right kind of, cheek. But that's very Motley Crue, isn't it's it? Like half, but it's like half of that. Like or was half he going for an Adam and the Ants look? See, but like that, but done sort of badly, like slapdash a little bit. Like he didn't quite finish it. Black what? lipstick. Weird hair that was kind of becoming like Dave Pierner's sort of dreadlocks, yeah. but not quite there. Do they look kind of semi-goth? Yeah, yeah, totally. So is that what happens? Is that the evolution now for butt rockers from back in the 80s and in and, and the metal bands from the 80s that they now have e- evolved to kind of a gothic look? Uh, or well, like that they, they're cast-offs from like bands like the Mission UK? and uh, What a lot of those guys do, and this is true actually of Fast Sisters of Mercy. The, what a lot of those guys do is they go from, you know, they do, like you take Faster Pussycat, where they have the, whatever you want to call it, glam rock or sleaze rock or whatever. So they're doing that. Uh, then from there, they attempt to transition into kind of just a more stripped back, dry sounding rock sound, where they remove a lot of the reverb uh, and whatever. Yeah. They try to be they try to be a little less poofy about it. Cinderella tried that with Heartbreak Station. That doesn't work. And so then they try to go the sort of gritty street kind of grunge right. route. That is Poison, the Native Tongue album. And uh, I think we mentioned Def Leppard. Def Leppard slang. slang. That's the other thing. You do the obligatory uh, covers record. Poison also did that with an album called Poisoned. Uh, in which they did a truly awful cover of Sexy Back. I just like the fact that it was P-O-I-S-O-N apostrophe D. For no real reason. No. I mean, it well, I guess it's cool. I guess, I guess they're omitting the E, so it's technically correct, but it still kind of looks dumb. Yeah. Uh, and then a lot of those bands, what they will do is they will go uh, the industrial road, and that's what uh, Faster Pussycat did. Okay. Where they became, they did like a, a, like a shotgun messiah thing. Yeah. Going from glam rock to industrial rock, which sucked. Sucked like a Hoover. Uh, and then they became goth. Now they're back to playing all of their old glam hits, but still looking like they have the goth wardrobe. Yeah, that's just bizarre. It's and, weird. And, and you know, also, and I mentioned this to you. I don't know if you got to listen to it yet. The uh, track off of Chinese Democracy that's been no, leaked you, out there. Now, what is the name of the song? Because there was like nine tracks no, leaked about the three weeks ago. Off the top of my head, I listened to it. That was also something I did last night. Was I listened to this cut and. It was really bad. No. I mean, it's really, <laughs> really horrible. And it sounds like, you know, uh, a Rob Zombie produced, but it's not even really, it's no. not good. Nothing nothing, you know? nothing good has come out of the Chinese democracy sessions except for uh, there was one song, and I think it was the song called IRS, maybe, and that was the one that was sort of, sort of decent. But, I mean, what kind of, kind of composite? Well, that one track is kind of decent. I mean... At this point, I mean, we this is well-discussed. Yes. This is well-traveled territory here. We've talked about this a lot. But, I mean, at this point, he's just got to never put it out. I mean, he must know that, that he must. The only card Axl Rose has left to play is the it doesn't ever come out and he's the J.D. Salinger. That would be better that way. You know, I talked to Mark Cantor, uh, you know, and thanks to you for passing that oh, info to certainly. me originally. He was great. And I said, look, are those guys ever going to play again? And he said, well, probably not a record. But he said, I wouldn't be surprised if they tour. And, uh, you know, in this terrible uh, Axl Rose biography that I that I read by uh, Mick Wall, he actually just said at the end, he's like, of course they'll play again together. You know, they'll tour. He said, there's too much money. Oh, there's a, not there's a ton of money. But and then Velvet like, Revolver has no singer. They Right. They tried to get the guy from Space Hog. And Lenny Kravitz. They tried to get the guy from Space yes. Hog. <laughs> yes. With Royston nobody else Link- home. LinkedIn, I think is his name. Ex-Mr. Liv Tyler. Space Hog? Space Hog. In the meantime, Space Hog. All right, but that has not happened. All right, well, whatever. Probably for the best. Uh, th- that's just that's just weird. With, yeah. With the guy from Dandelion not available. <laughs> well, uh, Dandelion reference for those who were there in '92. All right. Well, no. in any event. Okay. Um, so there you go. Blah blah blah. Guns and Roses. Blah blah blah. Whatever. It's very disappointing uh, what happens to these great bands. Isn't you know. It? Well, it's, I, maybe it's just better that if people die. You know. Well, here's the thing about no Axl offense. Rose. No, 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 it's no. Hey, no. Don't get me wrong. You know, a discussion you and I should have on the show at some point. Wait, hold on, Paddock. Discussion. Yes. 
I don't know, longer show. Paddock discussion. Uh, there needs to be a discussion. We could do a whole topic on this. Don't call now. We could do a topic on this at some point about, theoretically, you know what? Here's the thing. We love musicians. We love bands. I don't wish anybody any any harm. I wish them all long life, right. best of health. We could have a whole, though, theoretical discussion. This is a total high-fidelity thing. Of, in theory, what would have been the best time for a band to die? Oh, yeah. In a plane crash. Yeah. No, no I, about, you know I was going to mention that. I was going to say, terms of rock, Leonard, in, the whole plane should have just blown up. In terms of legend. No offense to the members no, of the No, that's what I'm band. saying. In terms of rock legend. What would have been the best? For example, uh, you know, you could say uh, the Sex Pistols, you know, maybe like even before uh, Nevermind the Bollocks came yep. out. You know, didn't that the thing with the germs? Didn't the germs, didn't Darby Crash die like the day the record yeah, came out? Yeah, I think there's a movie that's out yeah. about the He's a legend. Why? You know, they do all the stuff. They record the album. Joy Division. Dead. Joy Division. Same thing. Eve of their U.S. tour. Yeah. So I mean, Curtis hangs himself. You, I mean, you could do with it. I mean, you could say that maybe about maybe not after Appetite for Destruction, but maybe after Lies. Sure. Or maybe Guns and Roses. Maybe they die between they, Appetite and Lies. Or they die just prior to the release of Use Your Illusion. <gasps> One two. See, there you go. And again, God, I'm glad they're alive. But in, you know, staying out of the stop. But there's in, as as Joey <laughs> as Joey the Lips Fagan says in the commitments. Uh, you know. Uh, he's talking about the band disintegrating, and he yes. says, Sure, we could have been famous and made albums and stuff, but that would have been predictable. This way, it's poetry. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? That's true. All right. That's very true. Well, we have to quit the wanking. I can't. Um, let's, uh, let's settle down to what we were talking we're about. Yeah, here. the original Tropic uh, Thunder. Reason. Then we'll have you hang out for the top five? Sure. All right. Tropic Thunder. Here's the thing. There is, we're both right and we're both wrong in this. There is no, uh, there is no right and wrong, I suppose. And we will not say we agree to disagree no. either, which is horribly cliché. Well, I like think Bobby Fatboy sent me this email. He's like, dear Rick, about Tropic Thunder, you are wrong. The end, you know, Fatboy. <laughs> uh, so I, I will simply, I will simply say, you know, that I've gone on record now a few times and said I, I didn't like it. I didn't yeah. like it. Underwhelmed. Laughed sporadically. Can't really remember at what, though. Mm -hmm. uh, and I know you said Marconi didn't like it. Yep. Susan Reynolds didn't like it. Yep. Uh, the spouses didn't like it. Yep. So, uh, but I know, uh, I know, uh, Fatboy did, and Scott Daly did. I know you did. Yes. What gives? Uh, okay. I went and saw Tropic Thunder twice, and I would like to preface this by saying I saw it with two vastly different audiences. I was able to see it when I was on, uh, vacation in Los Angeles last Saturday night. I saw it with a very Hollywood kind of crowd. Uh huh. And then I saw it the next night here in Portland. And I can tell you this. People applauded at the end of Tropic Thunder in Los Angeles. They applauded. They stood up. People stayed to the very last minute. Right. It's almost as though people broke into discussion groups afterwards. You're making this up. I'm you not making this no up. No one, no, they did not break into I'm discussion not, groups. I'm not, they, they didn't, well, they didn't break into discussion groups, but people were really into it. And then here, here in Portland, I saw a couple walk out. Yeah. And I think it was very scattershot for people who maybe found it a little too inside. Oh, I what stayed did I, to the end. Okay, and I know you did, and I know that you didn't care for the Tom Cruise thing. I kind of liked the closing credits. I thought it was a joke in mm, itself, and right. it, the silliness of it, where mm. they had the freeze frame of the adopted son, or the son of Matthew McConaughey's mm. character. Okay, I, I laughed at the, the Robert Downey shtick. I thought he was great. very funny. He was good. Best thing about the movie. Very, very funny. I thought the opening stuff was funny, with the, the fake, fake trailers, trailers the and fake the trailers. spots. Very, very funny. Those are the two things that you and I will agree on. That uh, I, I enjoy no, Jack Black. Yeah. I'm a huge Jack Black fan. I have a tendency to laugh at things when they. It's kind of like how Bill Murray was for me in the 80s. Like anything Bill Murray would do, save for maybe The Razor's Edge. That's which a was his riot. foray into drama, yeah. which was ill advised. Uh, 
I always will laugh at something that, that sort of he like does. John Cleese. Any, John, he John does anything Cleese and you laugh. Similar. Yes. So I love Jack Black immensely. Um, ben Stiller, I found the weakest part of the oh, movie. Yeah. Oh yeah. I'm not going to lie. I think the whole retarded thing was such a, a publicity ploy. If you recall, his last movie, Zoolander, came out just around the time of 9/11. That's right, and there was a and whole then they had a whole that. thing about that. Right. Yeah. So I'm kind of on the fence, going, I wonder if this was a ploy, possibly. Well, here's my thing. I mean, is it, you know, doesn't matter to me. It's just, I mean, I can separate as uh, as uh, as Sam Donovan once said, the stuff from the stuff. Mm-hmm. So I mean, it's pretty hard to offend me, and I know it's just the movies that didn't really matter. But that whole thing where, I mean, it's not really a big spoiler, but there's a sequence where Ben Stiller, obviously, you know, he he plays an actor yeah. who, as Robert Downey Jr.'s character said at one point, you went full retard Which trying I to get an Oscar. I think is a brilliant scene. I, lo- I love that. Pretty good. I love that scene about going full retard for an Oscar. There's a moment where he, where where Ben Stiller then has to again dress up as that uh, character and acted out sort of in real life and it's not even that I found it offensive it was just sort of I felt I just here's my thing I will say two things one the fake trailers at the beginning were genius yes B like the Ben Stiller show which was genius by the way yes no very similar to that. that So that's one. B, I, Robert Downey Jr., great. He's the anchor of the movie for me. Without a doubt. I, I will say this, though. There's whole sections of that film, like the Ben Stiller dressing up uh, as, as the retarded okay, character. Right. Simple Jack. Where I'm just embarrassed for everyone involved. I was sitting there, my seat going... Wait, Ben Stiller's the one who plays the... Yeah, he plays Simple Jack. Yeah, he's like the mental kid. And at one point, uh, he, he is forced to dress up and to, re- and to do, act out the movie in real life. So he's forced to act out to, like, replay the movie for some people, basically, at gunpoint. They're like, be the retarded guy. And they point a gun at him, and he has to act it out. Kind of like misery. Totally, yeah, exactly. Sort of like that. And I've just, but I remember, I was just feeling, I know this sounds so pretentious, but I was just so embarrassed for everyone. Me for watching it. The wow. theater for showing it. The and actors so for being in it. you were up for this movie on Be- Friday because with Scott here's when he was talking about because it. And I, you, you actually laughed, and I thought this was a weak thing, and I don't mean to cast stones here, Rick Emerson, but uh, you laughed at the Al Pacino uh, rapper oh, no. name, which I thought was just, I, I mean, he was really bad I, in that movie. I mean, look, here's the thing. I can appreciate that because it, it was sort of positioned to me, and maybe a lot of it is the positioning, it was positioned to me as being a sort of a satiric take on Hollywood, or a sort mm-hmm. of... Like, uh, the, like a Mel Brooks producer's. Yeah, like a sort of it's a parody or a deconstruction sure. of some of the overblown inanities of the Hollywood system. And it doesn't reach that height, by it's, the way. It's, it, it doesn't do anything. It is completely, in terms of parody or satire, it is completely toothless. It creates... Uh, false feeling and fictitious targets, which you then get no points for blow. You don't get points for blowing up a target that doesn't even really well, exist. By that, you're mentioning the Tom Cruise character. Or anything. I found all of the actors and their supposed indulgences or mannerisms or this sort of spoiled character traits to be so unbelievably exaggerated as to have no real resonance. And then it's like you're creating this straw man to attack. And I keep going back to, like, The Player or Sunset Boulevard well, which, or uh, Network. Savage, savage satires, which I don't think this movie even, really... Do you even, think like, movie... Bamboozled. Even Bamboozled does a better I, job. I and that's tried a, to that, watch. And that's I a know. heavy-handed film. Yeah, that is so ham heavy-handed, I can't stand it. It's So, I mean, on the one hand, and plus they create this whole uh, this whole film created, again, without uh, leaving aside Robert Downey Jr., with the, the exception of him, they've got this whole movie of obnoxious, irritating, spoiled brat characters, mm-hmm. and then force you to spend an hour and a half with them. And it's like, I hate these people. And why? you hated everybody in the movie. It's like, you why am nothing, I spending... Nothing good about I'm about spending anyway. 90 minutes with a bunch of people who are designed to be as irritating and as possible. I wonder if it's that... And this is something, too, because I'm a huge fan of all three leads. Right. 
from Ben Stiller, Jack Black, to uh, Robert Downey Jr. Right. I, I also enjoy the supporting cast. I think Danny McBride, who's the explosive the guy, the explosive oh, yeah, expert, yeah, right. not really as good as he is, say, in Pineapple Express, which is another movie right. that I'm very much on the fence about. And you know, and there was Nick because Nolte. it tries to be this action movie. Right. Um, I'm not necessarily on the fence with Tropic Thunder. I found it a very satisfying movie. I loved it when I, I just had a feeling when Susan Reynolds told me that right. she wasn't going to like that she didn't like it. I was just, I really, really, and then I, I, and then I knew that you were going to go see it, and I had a feeling in the back of my head. I said, "Rick's going to hate." Well, you know, movie. she warned me, and but the thing is, I actually didn't believe her. She's like, "Oh, don't see it as bad," and I thought, "That's Susan Reynolds." Yeah. But well, I, I, we okay. can't be right all the time, and so I figured she might have been wrong about it. We saw uh, the Dewey Cox story, right? Uh, separately, and I and I didn't like that movie. Right. And that was like a big. I'm a big Judd Apatow. Let me okay. just say this. Let me close it out here because we're we're, we're I know, we I, actually, I, and sadly we probably won't sorry, be able to. Do, we'll have to bump the top five. The Tropic again. Thunder Week on KCMD Portland. Well, let me just say this. We'll, we'll take a we'll take a break after this. I have to make this one final observation. You remember the last action hero? Oh, I hated that movie. See, now here's the thing. I'm hated. I don't hate it. I think it's a I think it's a flawed but ambitious film. That's the thing, and I don't want to start really? a whole. Really? I don't want to start a whole discussion. Oh. I will simply say. Last Action Hero, I think, was really biting off more than they could chew. I really, I admire well, what they were going for there. First off, by having who they, who they had in the lead. Who the kid was terrible. Oh. Um, but so, the Last Action Hero, in my opinion, was a, a flawed, but certainly it's a failed experiment, okay. which is at least interesting. You know, that's right. better than mediocrity. It was a failed experiment. But my friend Brandon really summed up the linchpin problem uh, with Last Action Hero, the thing that could not be overcome, because the movie's like fifty hours long, and when you're watching watching Last Action Hero, you realize. They spend the first half of the movie, you know, basically kind of uh, talking about or blowing up or discussing these sort of uh, cliches or constructs of the action mm -hmm. movie genre. And then there's that moment about halfway through or whatever when, like, you know, the villain and when Jack Slater and the villain, the Gordon's Fisherman guy, yep. they both come out of the screen into the real world. And Brandon said when he was watching this in the theater, he said he had, he had this sinking realization. He's like, oh, God. I have to watch the whole movie again from the beginning now in real in the real world. Right. That's the thing. They come out of the screen yeah. and then they do the whole goddamn and, movie and again. And nobody wants to see that and in you're the like, first place, Jesus, right? You're like I just spent an hour and a half now I got to watch the whole movie again but in real life. That was my thing with Tropic Thunder. They spent the first half talking of making fun of war movie clichés and then the second half of the movie is them just stringing together a film out of those clichés which I am then forced to watch. Well, I I looked at it as though they were working out their uh, psychosis. All right. Literally. But Here's how I judge movies. Did I laugh? And I laughed a lot. Right. And maybe it was because of the sewage in my basement that I spoke about at the top of the break. <laughs> Good call back. We'll go out on that. Thank you. Uh, Chris Paddock, KUFO Program Director, ladies and gentlemen. All right, back after this, Tim Riley at the Ministry of Truth. Like us at 3, like us 101 at 5, Michael Merritt Show at 7. The Rick Emerson Show continues momentarily. Go nowhere. Broadcasting in ADHD. Why, hello, it's the Rick Emerson Radio Program. It's 503-733-2970. God, there's a lot of stuff to get to. Lately, now more than ever. Lots of stuff to get to. Uh, we need to do this show in some kind of metric time or something so we can fit more things in. Here's what's still to come. Uh, Tim Riley in uh, just moments at the Ministry of Truth. Later on, like us at 3, uh, like us 101 at 5, Michael Mara Show at 7. Join us tomorrow, and our guests will include Aaron Duran from geekinthecity.com and in the 11 o'clock hour tomorrow, recording artist and legend Weird Al Yankovic. Uh, so that's tomorrow. Let's see. Uh, what else? Tomorrow we got to do a New York Insta poll for Sarah. Uh, let's see. 
Why have I written down Girls of the Pimp Squad? That's interesting. Yes. Girls of the Pimp Squad. Maybe it's a new calendar. I was just going to say, maybe that's like a new layout I was going to have. Put was it about the name tags that the girls were wearing? Oh, God, that's exactly what it was. Jesus. We'll talk about it tomorrow because Timmy Ryan is uh, filling in tomorrow for Tim Riley. I guess Timmy Ryan's being really mean to Adam right now. Really? That yeah. seems like a... I was going to say it seems like a mean thing to do. Uh, but that seems like... Yeah, because Adam tried to call him this morning and, like, Timmy totally hung up on him because he's like, what's going on, dude? Because after he was all like... We'll talk to Timmy Ryan who would be Who would be mean to Adam? I don't know. All right. And Timmy keeps referring to himself in the third person. Really? Someone's head's getting a little too big for his body. So let me understand this, and then we'll talk more about it tomorrow. But let me just say this. Timmy Ryan was riding around, apparently by himself, in a limousine, coming to the radio station in the limo, going out to a bar in the limo, uh, yelling at the driver, making the driver hold an umbrella above his head while he walked like four feet in the rain from the car to a, to a door, drinking, buying drinks for others, and then slurping out of them himself, and then leaving the glasses behind, still filled with beer that no one will then drink. I and... wonder why he rides alone in a limo. <laughs> and yelling at Adam from the Pimp Squad, who seems like a legitimately nice guy. Oh, so don't shoot yourself in the foot, brother. I mean, I don't see him hanging out with a lot of people all the time. You know what we should do at some point? Who will play them in the Pimp Squad movie? Let's not do those. We're not doing that now. Don't call about it now. You shouldn't have said that because you're gonna. That's gonna be a high. Hold on. Who will play them in the Pimp Squad movie? Who will play Pimp Squad? You see what I mean? There's just more stuff than we could even get to. I think we need to hire. Uh, you know how it's like L.A. Gun. There's two different versions of L.A. Guns touring the country now. One with Phil Lewis singing, one not. I think that we just need to start cloning ourselves and just have different versions of the show on uh, like all the time so that we can get to all this stuff. Uh, all right, we'll do the news in a second. got to read this horrifying spider email. It's horrifying and great. It's horrifying because it's horrifying. It's great because it didn't happen to you. Subject line, I have been pwned by a daddy long leg. Rick. Uh, this is the uh, set this morning at 7.35 a.m. Rick, I was sitting at my computer desk this morning when I felt something... Bite my ankle. I looked down, and to my horror... There was a two-inch wide daddy long leg. Here's great phrase number one. There was a two-inch wide daddy long leg. This is so gross. Having his way with my skin. That's a terrible phrase. That's a phrase that's only ever used in this email and when that guy's making a dress out of you. It was so big I nearly had a heart attack. And not thinking straight, I grabbed my portable CD drive and bashed the spider into dust. Unfortunately, the first swing smashed my ankle, too. And now I have a giant spider bite bump, a welt on my ankle, and my CD drive is broken. Oh, and he says, what's up with daddy long leg spiders being able to bite? Now, this is, I heard this, too. My whole life, everybody told me their legs were so long they weren't able to bite us. I was always told daddy long leg spiders didn't bite. I the good kind of spider. I, maybe there is no good kind of spider. Uh, you know that that's, you know there's no such thing. I was always told they didn't bite. He says, now I'm going to live in fear in my basement because there are swarms of them down there. Hopefully it doesn't send the others into revenge mode. Best show ever. Sean. There you go. Ladies and gentlemen, at the Ministry of Truth, Tim Riley. And now, now. from the Ministry of Truth, this is Tim Riley. Hello. Timmy Ryan portrayed by David Hasselhoff. No. No, I don't think that works. Just a suggestion. I, I really don't know. Somebody, that guy called up at the end of yesterday's show, and he's like, have you ever seen Timmy Ryan and Keanu Reeves in the same place? And that didn't really work for me. No, he doesn't look like Keanu Reeves. I, I think is, somebody uh, nailed it when they said uh, Adam Sandler when he was little Nicky. I could see that, maybe. I was also going to say, uh, let's see, wait, hold on, hold on, wait for it. I was going to say maybe really young Henry Winkler. 
The Fonz, maybe, when he was like, uh, you know, 20-something? I don't really maybe. know. Maybe. Uh, sort of like if uh, like if you rolled him in grease and didn't let him shave for like a year, maybe. Uh, I was also going to say perhaps um, back in his gangly, awkward days, perhaps Jason Schwartzman. But I could be wrong about that. Well, we need someone now. That's, that's now. true. We need somebody who can portray him now. Now more than ever. Casting uh, call. Yeah. Because all I can come up with is Shia LaBeouf, and that's not right. Here's Tim Riley. Cash was flying through the air in Clackamas today. <laughs> yes, more than pennies from heaven. A bank robbery suspect has been arrested after a chase with money flying out the window. Deputies closed down the freeway near Longfield Road after the Bank of America McLaughlin Boulevard was robbed. The suspect was throwing money out the window as he was driving down Highway 99. He was finally stopped near Jansen Street and tried to get away on foot. The Lake Oswego deputy tased him and took him into custody. Fantastic. So it's unknown if anybody uh, caught any of this cash. That must be the most exciting, uh, the most exciting thing to happen to Clackamas in quite some time. Mm-hmm. All right. It's like Lady Luck rains down in Clackamas. <laughs> so I have that soundbite. Uh, John McCain not being able to tell an interviewer how many houses he owns. Fantastic. Here it is. So AIDS later said McCain and his wife Cindy owned at least four homes. At least. Doesn't it? Okay. That, uh, Newsweek estimates they own at least How seven. can you estimate it? There's a number. There's a number of houses you own. This is a thing in which estimates don't really come into the equation. Just the number is one, or it's nine, or it's forty, or it's it's two. There's a why would you first of all? Well, for one thing, wife Cindy is worth more than one hundred million dollars. Is that true? To list, yeah, she inherited control of the largest beer distri- distributorship in Arizona from her dad. And you know how it is in Arizona. And people got to drink constantly. People got to drink constantly. This is, I just don't understand this. First, I mean, there's like layers of dumb. First of all, they asked McCain how many houses. Uh, I mean, look, I know that he's a wealthy man and so forth, but I mean. I, it, four. It's not or like five, asking Sarah two. how many pairs of shoes she has or something. I mean, houses, I don't care who you are. That's what we call a big-ticket purchase. A, the idea that he is either out of touch enough, rich enough, senile enough, or quite possibly a combination of all of the above three, that he does not remember how many homes he owns. Second of all, that he says that thing, even if it's true, about saying, I'll have my people get back to you about that, which immediately just, I mean, anybody. Have my people make something up. Uh, anybody who had any sort of reservations about that guy, I mean, then all that does is just make him look like some other ass that has no idea how the average American sort of lives, which, regardless of, I mean, I know we all want to be rich and have a billion houses, but that's not the kind of thing that gets you into office. No. Uh, to be, you get into office, you got to appeal to the great unwashed. Uh, Buy a place in St. John's. Exactly. And you and you don't do that by having so many homes that they're just sort of like real estate charms on a bracelet of your life. Uh, so he says the people are going to... And then... That they can't actually even come up with an answer. They own at least four homes. Does that indicate that maybe they're buying more by the end of the day, but they haven't really made up their mind? That's correct. At least four homes. Why don't you get bent, huh? Not you, Tim. Jason. All right, here's Tim Brown. Well, I'm taking the day off. I'm just saying. He also wears $500 shoes. I heard that. I heard that the other day. So he wears a pair of shoes that are $525 retail. Just like the Pope. Just like the Pope. And the trophy's wife is worth $100 million. All right. So enjoy it. Somebody ought to add that up. They ought to do a little, like a little, what are you, like a pictograph or whatever that thing is, uh, every day where they just take a snapshot of John McCain and they do like one of those, I mean, I hate to see this thing parodied again because it's been done to death, but you know, with the thing with the visa, 
Like, da-da-da-da-da, $300, da-da-da-da-da, whatever, da-da-da-da-da, priceless. They had to do one of those with McCain, where they just show, like, how much his suit costs, how much his shoes cost, you know, the plane he's getting off of, how much all that stuff costs, you know, private plane for John McCain, da-da-da-da-da, you know, uh, the amount of, amount of carbon offsets you would need to purchase to counterbalance the amount of environmental damage his plane does, da-da-da-da-da, shoes, $500, house number one, $2 million, house number three, $7 million, uh, you know, passing yourself off as a commoner to get elected, priceless. And you know, all that stuff is by the way. Are you all listening, the... moving on? Mm-hmm. And incidentally, let me just say this for the record, because people often think that we're something we're not. All that stuff is true of Barack Obama, too. And yeah. I don't really care. I'm only here to give advice to people and to uh, give ideas that I can't, you know, that I don't have time to use myself. I give Lars the waterboarding idea. Mm-hmm. I give the uh, Obama people or moveon.org or... Whatever nutcase group wants to take it, that idea about John McCain. It's not about even being right. It's just about being first. So all of that stuff I just said is true of Barack Obama. Uh, but, you know, they ought to nail McCain with that first, man. I would totally be doing that. And I bet you wear modestly priced shoes. Are you talking to me? Yes. The shoes I'm wearing right now, Are actually. Those your $100 ones? To be fair, uh, I, Rick Emerson, am wearing a pair of $100 shoes. Uh, I bought these from Zappos.com. Uh, they're fantastic, by the way. Uh, this is now. I'm wearing $25 shoes. I was going to say almost every, uh, almost every other day. I mean, well, I only have the two modes. I have these and I have my chucks. So I got the chucks that I wear. These shoes are fantastic. I bought. Uh, we've well, heard the whole story. I bought these yeah. and then I got. A, I scuffed the toe so much that it couldn't be repaired. So I bought a brand new pair. Hundred dollar shoes. Hundred dollar pair of shoes. That's what I'm wearing. I don't think I own a hundred dollar pair of shoes. Well, my Doc Martens from. Me. Yeah, I have my Docs from like, um, high school. Let's go around the room. What's the most expensive pair of shoes you own, Sarah? I guess I'd say my docs. And those would be about how much? They're like 120, I think. Estimate for me now uh, the number of pairs of shoes oh, you I own. Oh, I can't. I don't even know. No idea. I have no idea. I have so many. All right. But would you say more than 20? Yes. I, than... I, I would say probably closer to like 80. That's impressive. I have a whole... Do you like, have shoes you've never worn? 80? Yes. Uh-huh. I have, uh, I have a whole huge cabinet in my kitchen because I don't have any closets, so I keep all my shoes and stuff in the In the cupboard? Please yeah. tell me you keep them in the dishwasher. No, no, I use the dishwasher. The dishwasher is my best friend. But, um, yeah, I have a, a giant cabinet in my kitchen that I just throw all my shoes into. So it's like three huge cabinets, and they're just levels of shoes. That's fantastic. Yeah, I have at least 80. That is really – I like the fact that you have shoes you've never worn. You know, that's what makes America great. Going to buy these shoes, not even going to wear them. Mm-hmm. I'm going to buy them and throw them away. Do just you have shoes you've worn? Um, I have shoes I've only worn once. Uh, I have a pair of uh, – Tan leather shoes uh, that were that I think were like $125 that I was obliged to buy for my brother's wedding. There was that whole thing where I couldn't find the suit and the low helped me with that. Oh, yeah. I like $125. I've, I've worn them once, never worn them again. Uh, Tim Riley, uh, if you would now please estimate how many pairs of shoes you own and the most expensive pair. Three pairs of dress shoes, which I wear in rotation. Same color, different colors. All different colors. Uh, Black, brown, and kind of... Uh... Like a cream color? Yeah, no, not a cream. A taupe? Uh, no. Uh, burgundy. 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 Burgundy brown. I'm wearing the browns today and black. Those are just my dress shoes. I'd like to see those burgundy shoes. At I wear point. them sometimes. All right. Those... Oh, sneakers. I have three pairs of sneakers. Uh, let's see. A pair of gardening shoes. Gardening shoes? They're Crocs, are they? No, they're just kind of like work boot type of things. Can I tell you, first of all, about ten just seconds three ago? Three pairs of dress shoes. Three pairs of sneakers. 
Yes. About ten seconds ago, I was going to say that this is the most tedious thing we've ever done, but now it's become fascinating again. A pair of black shoes. Wait, let's back up for a second. What are gardening shoes? I mean, I know the shoes to garden in, but I mean, what makes them gardening shoes? They're just kind of beat up. Oh, now, do they sell them as gardening shoes, or these shoes that become, they reach an advanced state of maybe scuffiness, and then they become your gardening shoes? So those included in your sneakers? No, those are separate. So three pairs of dress shoes, three pairs of sneakers, dress shoes. And let's see, a couple pair of uh, East Coast winter... Like shoe boot, boots, boot things. All right. Do that you? You'd never wear here. And I and I almost I know the answer to this without even asking. Do you, Tim Riley, own Birkenstocks or flip flops or that kind of footwear? Uh, one pair of uh, Birkenstock. Oh, that surprises me. Actually, I wouldn't think you would own any. I would think well, you'd be covered they're... up head to toe all the time. No, I wear them occasionally. All right then. When you're feeling sort of exuberant. Well, I'm sitting out my balcony, but uh-huh. not <laughs> looking down on the people below. When you're sitting I down. I see Tim in like a, a Hawaiian shirt and like khakis and sandals. <laughs> when you're sitting on your balcony, looking down and watching the people labor to f- to fix your garden. When well, that's, usually, that's all done by the time I get home. <laughs> if they know what's good for them. That's done early. We should right, go home and count our shoes today. When you're, sit- when you're sitting out in your balcony with, with uh, binoculars looking around the neighborhood looking for homeowners association violations you can report. No, I do them when I'm walking the dog and I keep a little notebook with me. You're the best person who's ever lived, Tim Riley. Well, I try to be. All right. Uh, uh, let's see. I'm going through my boots in my head and I've already lost count. Yeah, I... I like silver boots, brown boots. Two pairs of black. Three. I got three pair of dress shoes. Four. No, I take it back. Yeah, I got three pair of dress shoes. I got like nine pairs of chucks in different colors, uh, and I got a pair of uh, I got a pair of winter boots. That's how it. many colors of chucks do you have? Is Tim Riley leaving? Bye, All right, Tim. Tim, have a good vacation. I'll see you in like a week and a half. I'll see you Monday, Tim. Bye. Ladies and gentlemen, Bye. Tim Riley, back at four, five, six, and seven, top of the hour, all the way through. Like us, gone tomorrow, back Monday. Uh, chucks. I don't care if this is interesting or not. Let me list off my chucks. I got the black. White, off-white, yellow, blue, my flag design, mm-hmm. uh, that may be it. I used to have a Christmas pair with jingle bells on them. Oh, I think uh, that has those. Yeah, I think that might be it. I have low-top black, two high-top black, low-top white, red, gray, high-top beige, high-top black and white. And then, like, multiple vans. And then I had, like, you know, skull vans, black vans, red vans, high-top black vans. You totally sound like Christopher Gastoy, Filbert Nut, Hazel Nut. I know. You completely sound like that guy. Next, we'll count pairs of socks. Uh, Do we have to take another break? Yeah. Let me get this call, and then we'll do that. We'll take this one call. Then we'll break. Uh, You know, it's slice of life, Sarah. Everybody's got shoes. It is relatable. Everybody's got shoes. Hello, you're on the Rick Emerson Show. What's up? Hey there, my wedding shoes were fourteen hundred bucks. Wow, really? Yeah, they're See? handmade Italian. Look how relatable we are, Sarah. Uh, sir, you have feet and shoes. <laughs> Excellent. See, we're, did we're, you sell them? Did you? Or do you still have them? Uh, I still have them. Yeah. Why would you, dude? Sell that stuff? E- eBay, my friend, Craigslist. Oh, boy. No, I seriously. No, no, no. No, hold on. We're not moving. I demand that before we move on, I demand an answer. I hate to be all like us on you. I demand an answer. Why have you not sold them? Is it because your wife uh, would would find out and be angry? Uh, that's a good question. I really don't know. No, she wouldn't be mad. She'd actually like the fact that I sold them. $1,400. Do you realize? 1495 actually. Oh. $1,500 shoes. You could take an 80% loss and still be making a few hundred dollars on that. Yeah, I mean, as opposed to the none you're going to be making by just keeping it in your closet. Are you ever going to wear those again? Oh, yeah, probably. You're lying to yourself right now, and you're lying to me as part of it. You'll never wear those again. How, when were you married? 
about a month and a half ago. All right. Okay. Fair enough. Okay. Uh, all right. Would you say that? Let me ask you this: When you paid for the fifteen hundred dollars shoes, on a scale of one to five, how loud was the voice in your head saying, "You're being scammed right now"? Uh, it was deafening. But here's the deal: I got. Uh, I must say, uh, I didn't buy them. My mom did, and she mm-hmm. I, she justified it because we weren't having a big wedding. So. You know. Well, it's just. I here's. I will say this. It maybe it is good that women are no longer the only ones being soaked, uh, you know, for overpriced wedding goods. It's good to see that they've started branching out and they're going to screw both sides of the gender aisle by taking a piece of clothing that costs some kid, you know, three cents to make in Indonesia and then charging you two grand for it. All right, how can I help you, sir? My wife's dress was about two hundred bucks. Really? Yeah. I don't understand you at all. You're just a bag of contradictions. Uh, what did you call about, my friend? Uh, the Lucky Charms. Uh, unfortunately, Tim's gone. But Tim yesterday, didn't he say that he wanted to be the Lucky Charm guy? He said he wanted to be the Lucky Charm leprechaun, yes. And then you mumbled Photoshop, so I emailed it to you. Uh, I think I did. I actually got several of them. Uh, so uh, no offense. I don't mean to make you feel less special. Uh, but I got a couple of those. I'm gonna, And somebody sent me Tim as the Quaker Oats guy, too. So I'm going to post those on my blog later today. Excellent. All right. Thank you. Thanks, guys. All right. Thank you. Uh, if you're on hold, hang tight. We will come back. Uh, you know, I said we were going to blow off the top five to do High Concept Thursday. Guess what? Yes, epic fail. Well, we'll do both of those tomorrow. Tomorrow, Weird Al Yankovic, Aaron Duran, High Concept Thursday, uh, and uh, top five Guns N' Roses songs you don't hear on the radio, as uh, selected by the uh, guys in Appetite for Deception. By the way, they're playing Saturday at Dominic's uh, for the Miles Around Party, so you want to catch those uh, guys on Saturday. Back after this, the Rick Emerson Show concludes next. We now enter the saddest part of the broadcast and get the final segment of the Rick Emerson Radio Program. Uh, we meant to, I meant to, here's another thing that we didn't get a chance to get to today. Uh, so I guess uh, Richie has obtained the new Metallica single. I have no hope of it being good, but who knows? We'll play it tomorrow. Uh, join us tomorrow. Aaron Duran, Weird Al Yankovic, so forth. Uh, let's get these. Hi, you're on the Rick Emerson Radio Program. Hello. Hey, Rick. What's up? For this tour, you have to ask me, what kind of shoes do I have? What kind of shoes do you have? White, green, brown, blue, English loafer skaters. <laughs> One more time. White, green, brown, blue, English loafer skaters. Fantastic. Thank you, sir. You're doing, uh, you're doing a good job uh, uh, with uh, bringing the funny. <laughs> Thank you very Thank much. Thank you. You call, us, you call us anytime, sir. Right. Every day. Well done. Thank you. Hi, you're on the Rick Emerson Show. Hello. Hey, Rick, I have a question. I want to ask uh, Scientologist, where is Isaac Hayes right now? What's he doing? And also the homeschool kid, wouldn't his time be better spent rather than uh, trying to win swag off a radio station, perfecting his lost cat magnet? <laughs> Thank you. Peace out. Hi, you're on the Rick Emerson Show. Hello. Best audience ever. Hello. Rick. Hi, Rick Emerson Show. Yes, hello, sir. Yes, uh, I was just wondering if you knew what time uh, the uh, uh, Dominic's, what time does the band start? Uh, well, it's going all day. Dennis Pitzenbarger is actually going to join us in studio for a bit tomorrow. That's going all day on Saturday. Appetite goes on around 9, but it's going to be an all-day event, so you really ought to be there. Thank you very much. Thank you, sir. All right, there you go. Is that it? We done? All right. Uh, my apologies if you're on hold. No time to be fair to another caller, so uh, we'll talk to, you, uh, tomorrow. talk to you on the other side. Uh, we want to thank Cena Radio Correspondents Lisa Desjardins, Steve Castor, I'm James Roop, uh, and uh, Chris Paddock from Rock 101 KUFO. Join us tomorrow when our guests will include Weird Al Yankovic in the first hour tomorrow. 
Uh, Aaron Geek in the City Duran and Timmy Ryan will join us, as well as High Concept Friday, Top 5, uh, and uh, other stuff, uh, as well as uh, some things, whatever. Will you just give me a signal over there? No. Rick Emerson, Joe, produced today and every day with the lovely and talented Sarah Stillen for AM970, the talker in the newsroom, Tim Riley, and the phone's Richard Bristol, the gatekeeper, Dave Zinn, webmistress Bridget from upstairs, director of engineering, Brian Jones, CBS Radio, Portland marketing guru, Susan Donat with me, Reynolds. As always, my friends, thank you for listening. Like us next. Like us 101 at uh, 5. Michael Maris Show at 7. See you tomorrow at 10 for the recap, 11 for the show. Thank you for listening. Don't let the bastards right now watch Upper Snakes. Bye. Shiny, a slang term for great use in the television series Firefly in the movie Serenity.